Bernie and Sid in the Morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 17 years by her side, broke the same bread, wore the same clothes, and you said, We're sisters with nothing between. If one of us falls, the other will soon be following. Both of you feel the same day. You don't know why One of you never woke up And you lay your body down on the floor You're desperate to hear Footsteps again This house is on fire We need to go Run for your life. Run for your life. Bunch of folks are running tomorrow. Not sure they're running for their lives, but they are running tomorrow. 6.03 on your Monday morning. Welcome back to the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere. We are burning and sit in the morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And uh, before we get to this uh, great show today, I think Andrew Giuliani will be here at 7.40 Dr. Mark Siegel, not a good week last week for the CDC. He'll be here at 840. And my first cousin out of the great state of Minnesota, where he spent many years, eight years, as the mayor of St. Paul, then won uh, a seat uh, for the Senate, Uh, Norm Coleman. He will join us coming up at 905, plus some more surprises you just don't know. But uh, ordinarily, on a uh, daily basis on this show, when Bernie is not here, I explain if I know why he's not. I did tell you last week that he uh, texted me Monday night. And he told me that um, he wasn't feeling very well. And he was coming back into the city to Sloan Kettering because he was in pain. And he was going to miss Tuesday and Wednesday shows. And I did kind of complain on Thursday that I hadn't heard from Bernie since Monday, but Matt Meany did. <laughs> and no one told me, including Matt Meany, what the latest with Bernie was. All I heard was that he's out for the rest of the week. And I was under the impression, and I think so was my cast here, even from Meany, that Bernie would be back today. He is not. Uh, once again, I got a text, this one last minute, late last night, from Carol, Bernie's beautiful wife, Carol McGurk, who I've known for 25 years, a little longer, Lovely lady. And um, I guess Thursday, Bernie had a serious case of appendicitis on top of the cancer. And uh, Thursday night, his appendix burst. And he had to have emergency surgery. He survived. Uh, The quote from Carol was, I can't believe how tough Bernie is. So he is tough. He made it through the uh, surgery on Thursday night, but he will not be here this week. So it'll be uh, consecutive weeks between the cancer treatments and now this, that Bernie just can't make it in. So um, the good news is uh, he did survive, and that is a very dangerous situation, having your appendix burst. 
Thursday night. So he uh, he did survive. But other than that, I know he's out for the rest of the week. So I don't know right now exactly what his whole situation is between, you know, the cancer and um, and this uh, latest development. So that's where we are. So we um, we come to work. Uh, Bernie's like I always say when Bernie's here, the show is great. When Bernie's not here, the show is still great. Um, it's better when he's here, obviously, but I know what I'm doing. Uh, we got great guests all week long. We've got some really good surprises along the way, and uh, we'll do a great week of radio and we'll continue to pray that Bernie makes it out of this. But this is a very, very rough stretch. This has really been going on since January. I mean, he's, you know, he's here for th- about three weeks, two and a half weeks, uh, most months. He was doing a little better the last month and a half. He would go for chemo, miss a day, maybe two. That was it. But this is, at this point, a very rough stretch uh, for Bernard. So prayers go out to Bernie and Carol and the whole family. And that's it. I'm I'm not going to keep harping on this all day, every day. He doesn't want me to. I I, I mean, you guys send me prayers to Bernie all day long. By the way, send it to Bernie. I don't know why you're sending it to me. Uh, Send it to Bernie. He, he, He would love to see that from you guys. You go to my Instagram page at Rosenberg.Sydney, prayers to Bernie. I don't really talk to Bernie much during the week. So I appreciate that. Believe me, when I do talk to him, I do tell him. But you should send it right to Bernie. Go to his Facebook page. He does check that page. He's not on Instagram. He doesn't check Twitter. But I, he's on Facebook. So um, go go send him those messages. He'd love that right now. Bernie McGurk's Facebook page. Right, Lewis. Well, is, uh, maybe. Well, maybe people are doing that, and he's just still. He doesn't see it. Well, probably. I mean, he, he, right listen, now, he, he's, he's not going to answer. He, he's he's kind of going through stuff. Even when he's not, even when he's not, he doesn't answer. No. Ever, 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 ever. No, even when he was fine. He's not big on these things. <laughs> no, that's for sure. he's not big at all. But so you know, telling me does nothing because again, I at this point I have very little conversation with Bernard. Very little, and that's okay. He's going through a, he's going through hell, you know, and and. As I said, for the better part of seven months, nobody loves him, well, outside of his wife and his children, more than me. No one's closer to Bernie more than I am, but I just try to stay out of the way. You know, he knows I love him. He knows I pray for him every day when he needs me. He's there, Lou, you know that. But I just try to stay out of the way. This guy's going through, I don't want to be an, an, an annoyance. No, but he, I think he is aware of how much people are thinking about yes. him and praying, and he knows that. I mean, that's all everybody can do right now. I mean, he's where he should be, and he's getting taken care of, and hopefully, you know, he comes out of it and everything. So it's wow. just it's like you said, it's a rough stretch, yeah. Bernard, right now. I mean, look, I don't know if you come out of something like this. I don't well, know. Well, I, I, I know, mean... but maybe the cautionary tale is, as he put it uh, months ago when I first heard about it, is yeah. get yourself checked. No, though, there's no doubt. He, as he, early as possible. There's like, no doubt. The I mean, one he, message he, you could probably get. He had a very, very high PSA level a couple of years ago. Very high. And then he basically did nothing about it for three years. And then this thing kind of popped up again. And, you know, he hasn't really been honest with me <laughs> about where it's gone, where it's spread. I mean, clearly, it, this is not prostate cancer anymore. I don't have to be Dr. Mark Siegel to figure that out. You don't go through nine chemotherapy treatments, two radiation treatments, have your appendix burst, spend weeks at a time in the hospital for prostate cancer. You just don't. Right. So this thing has spread. Now, I'm not sure if it went to his liver, his bones. I don't know. I don't know. You know, uh, he may, he kind of slipped on the air a couple of weeks ago when a guy called in and said, well, I have prostate cancer, but I got it before it spread. And Bernie said, I wish I had done that. So he said that on the air. 
but I've never asked him specifically. I just don't have the I just don't have the heart to do it. I don't feel like I feel like if Bernie wants to tell me something, he's going to tell me. If not, this is a very private battle. Uh, him, his wife, his kids. But clearly, this is no longer quote prostate cancer. This is a lot worse than that. Clearly. Well, he's, he he's and clearly had had this for a longer time yes. than he was diagnosed. Correct. So Correct. that's the issue, of course, and that's yeah. what he's probably the message trying to get out there. Yep. Is, is the only way to really prevent something as serious as this is early detection. That's it. Because you can't really prevent it. it because people really don't die from prostate cancer. They don't. But when you wait two, three years and, and you know, if it does spread, if it does, then you're putting yourself at risk. And if that's what happened here, and it seems that's what happened, but I don't know for sure. But if it is, then that is the cautionary tale. And that is the message that Bernard would want to get to all of you. Don't mess around with this stuff, folks. Don't mess around. He had, again, a very high level a couple years ago and uh, didn't do much about it. So that is the update with Bernie. Uh, Hopefully he'll be back next Monday. I will uh, continue to update you folks throughout the week if I hear anything else. But I don't hear uh, that's all I've got. That's it. And, again, I found out at literally a quarter to eight last night. I was naked in bed watching Will Housewives of Atlanta about to uh, make my move on the gorgeous Danielle. And my phone buzzed. Carol McGurk, and I'm like, oh, my God, no. I mean, any time I get a message from Carol, I get really nervous because I'm like, oh, my God, I hope he, you know, God forbid he didn't pass something bad, you know. And this, this was bad, obviously, but he survived, thank God. So that's all I've got. Uh, Brian Stelter, that's over, right? That's it? He said goodbye yesterday, CNN. What, what will the world do now with no Brian Stelter? How are we going to make it without Brian Stelter? Yesterday was uh, the final time. On CNN, yes, hard to believe, but he had the longest-running show on CNN, nine years. Nine years, and I talked about this on Friday. The irony is the name of his show, Reliable Sources. Why is that ironic? Because he was the most unreliable personality, fat, stupid bastard on television for nine years. But Reliable Sources was the name of his show. And yesterday, it was all over, folks. Yes, almost uh, as sad as Luke Gehrig saying goodbye. Today, <laughs> I feel like the fattest and stupidest man on the planet. Here is Brian Stelter. This is courtesy of CNN. Bernie loves this, too, saying goodbye yesterday for the last time for CNN. He may be back someplace else. I don't know. But saying goodbye for the last time on CNN. America needs CNN to be strong. I believe the free world needs CNN to be strong. And it will continue to be. Because all of us are going to help make that happen. The free world needs a reliable source. So, four reliable sources for the last time. I'm Brian Stelter. Thanks for being with us. You stupid. God. What is that, uh, Justin? What do you have for me here? Oh, the new cut sheet? No, I got a new list for you. Oh, a new list. Oh, for tomorrow you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just some more materials. You just broke up a very emotional moment. Brian Stelter was saying goodbye. Well... I don't. I don't care about Brian. No, I know. Do you care about Brian? No, I, 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 I mean, come don't on. Care about Brian I don't care about him or his wife. I don't, Jill, care, I don't think I care about anything less than I care about Brian Stelter. Right. To be honest with you. Jamie's on uh, New York One, you know, with uh, this leprechaun every morning. What is his name again? I, I always forget his Pat name. Kiernan, Pat Kiernan. Pat Kiernan. Yeah, he's one of the greats. No. Uh, you just said that. He's one of the greats. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the greats. No. 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 You're right. No. So the, <laughs> I got it. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, um, plus he looks he's weird looking. He, he is a weird looking guy. I don't. Yeah. Bernie says he did shows here at WABC. Yes. He uh, Bernard was gonna do an afternoon slot. Yes. And the, the he, five p.m. show. Right. And he walked the first day. He remember he, t- he told me this the next day. He got he got back to the uh, studio and this guy was waiting there too. Right. He, Bernard thought it was going to be him. Right. Just him, and all of a sudden. That is funny. Oh, uh, okay, <laughs> guess I'm doing the show with you. All right, sure. By the way, has anybody heard from Joe Biden? You know, it's been a couple of weeks since Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan, and we all know, of course, that Joe Biden did not endorse that trip. So she goes to Taiwan, and as Bernie pointed out, may not be a, an accident. She went to Taiwan the same day her husband, Paul Pelosi, was doing court for that DWI charge, or DUI, whatever it is. And uh, Biden didn't remark on that. And then the day after Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate gets raided by the FBI, and again, even now, we have no idea why. There doesn't seem to be any reason why. Um, we have not heard from Joe Biden. He went to South Carolina the next day with his uh, wife, Jill, who has tested negative for COVID, and his degenerate son, Hunter. We've heard nothing for weeks from Joe Biden. He may be dead. Taxes Who knows? Taxes on the Wait. Is it? Taxes on the Oh, okay. There he is. How old is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> it looks a little moldy. I mean, I've, it seemed like every day for the last year and a half, Bernard was playing cuts from Joe Biden. No, not even cuts. They were just um, mishaps, you know. I mean, just, just embarrassing moments from Joe Biden. And we've got nothing. Although, there it is. If uh, Joe Biden's community wants to figure out how to stop him from making these gaffes, just don't talk. I mean, where the hell is this guy? No Joe Biden. But that doesn't mean that the folks aren't peppering his press secretary, the Mensa that is Corrine Jean-Pierre, about his numbers that continue to plummet. And uh, she doesn't seem to care she claims Joe Biden doesn't seem to care. So what well, we haven't heard from uh, the big guy, uh, Miranda Devine calls him. Miranda will join us tomorrow, folks. Uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, this is cut number five, Lewis, talking about the up-and-down approval ratings of one Joseph R. Biden. There's going to be many polls. They're going to go up or they're going to go down. Uh, this is not the thing that we are solely focused on. Uh, we are focused on things like today, signing this bipartisan gun reform legislation, which will, again, save lives. Do we have more work to do? Absolutely. There's uh, Jean-Pierre. Now, on the other hand, you have Donald Trump. Trump is um, considering hiring a legal master. I'm not exactly sure what that is. Maybe Alan Dershowitz can tell us, but he is considering hiring a legal master to look more into this raid on Mar-a-Lago. And talking about legal master and Alan Dershowitz, Dershowitz did talk about the raid this weekend. Now, Alan makes it very, very clear in this cut that he's not a Donald Trump fan. Mentions the fact he didn't vote for Trump twice. He's not going to vote for Trump again. But, but, what's fair is fair. Here is, uh, I'm not going to try to believe Alan. Here is Alan Dershowitz number six on the unfair raid of Mar-a-Lago. Look, I voted against Trump twice. I'm looking forward to an opportunity if he runs again to vote against them for a third time. But I will not compromise the Fourth Amendment or the Constitution or the principles I've stood for all my life in order to get Trump. This was an improper search. They should have enforced the subpoena. That's what Merrick Garland said the Justice Department generally does. Less intrusive methods. Now, 
the affidavit, if it's revealed, may indicate reasons why a search warrant had to be effectuated three days after or two and a half days after it was approved. But right now, the burden of proof is heavily on the government to justify this intrusive search. No, it's not a raid. It's a court-authorized intrusive search. But it still has to be justified, not only under the letter, but the spirit of the Fourth Amendment. So what Trump is looking to hire is a special master to review the evidence that the FBI obtained during its search at Mar-a-Lago. Trump's lead counsel for the matter, James Trusty, told conservative radio talk show host Mark Levin on his show on Friday. Let's get that, by the way, Bill. Levin, I'll be on his show September 8th, promoting Citizens United, talking to Trusty, said that the former president's legal team will very soon file a motion related to the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, which protects people from unreasonable searches and seizures. So Donald Trump about to file that Fourth Amendment, and uh, good for him. Uh, it's Listen, uh, again, I do think... This is going to help Donald Trump in his run for 2024. And when I asked Bill O'Reilly, how will we know if that's the case now, well before the election, he came up with two words that I thought really nailed it. Those two words, Liz Cheney. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. As always, that's the number. Once again, I think Andrew Giuliani will join us at 740 this morning. Booked and confirmed, Dr. Mark Siegel at 840. And my first cousin, Norm Coleman, always a great guest. Coming up at 905 plus, Lydia reports and beat Sid. Your chance at catch and prizes, thanks to Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers, coming up at 940. Bernie and Sid, Bernie back next week. I got you, folks. We're number one. We will be number one. We'll always be number one. More of me, Sid Rosenberg, on a Monday morning right after this. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Twenty-six on your cloudy, rainy Monday morning. This uh, puts this game in jeopardy tonight. I mean, I listen. I, I've been watching the Mets for a long time. I uh, consider myself about as diehard as any Met fan, right there with Lisa Gangi, Joe Beningo, you name it. But yesterday was unbelievable. You know, the Mets about three times this year 
have had games against the Phillies specifically that you can't make up, overcoming seven-run deficits, winning games in the ninth inning. But yesterday, that was unbelievable. I mean, they're down 4 nothing in the first. Then they're down 7-4. to Kind of comes up big. Then they're down in the ninth inning, and they hit two home runs, and they needed that second home run from Numo, as it turned out, because Diaz gave up a run in the ninth inning last night. But what an unbelievable win for the Mets. If you're not sure whether or not this is the year for the Mets, all you got to do is watch yesterday's game. And they come off that bad series in Atlanta. They did not play well, won only once, and they take three out of four from the Phillies. And Atlanta lost yesterday to Houston. Charlie Morton lost. So that's a big win for the Mets. And now the Yankees, who were lucky to get a win against Toronto, Benedito had a home run yesterday. That was their only win after Boone freaked out on Saturday. So the Yankees are still playing lousy baseball. They got the Mets tonight. They did retire Paul O'Neill's number 21 yesterday, a very nice day in the Bronx. A lot of my friends have no idea why Paul O'Neill's number was retired. They're like, hey, he was a nice player. He was a good player. He wasn't fantastic or great, but look, you know, sometimes you get uh, credit for the, really for the contribution you make to the organization. And Paul O'Neill was part of four championship teams here, won a World Series in Cincinnati with uh, Lou Pinella as well, but was a very solid player and never left. And There's he's been part of that had... Yes Network deal. For, did I ask you to put your mic on? No. For a, I know you're a Yankee fan, so you think you know something. For a very, very long time, but uh, that's part of the whole deal. He's been he's, con- he's contributed to this Yankee organization for, uh, you know, 20-something years, along with four championships. I'm not... Uh, I don't think it was uh, it was the right thing to do, but I'm not crazy about it. Go ahead, Justin. He had four uh, straight seasons of 100-plus RBIs no, I don't care. for the Yankees. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means he knocked in a lot of big he, runs. I just said he's a very good player. He knocked in a lot of big runs. He's a very good player. He had some big home runs in the playoffs. He's a very good player. You, could you, mem- you remember one big home run in the playoffs? Because I remember a bunch of Jeter home runs, Tino Martinez, Scott Brocious. I don't remember one big Paul O'Neill home run. Can you mention one? I remember Jim Layritz. They get, they get, no, they, 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 but when you say something like that, then you have to back it up with the one home. Forget about a bunch of home, one, and you can't do it. I guess he, was, right. he was a very good player on a great team. And he enjoyed success around everybody else. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, I think they got to slow it down with all the number retire. Re, re, yeah, he, I mean, you're running out of numbers. What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know about. It. You're right. I, I don't know. But uh, either way, Mets and Yankees are supposed to play tonight. They played a short two game set in Queens a couple of weeks ago. We know the Mets took them both, and this is a two game set in the Bronx. Uh, Max Scherzer supposed to pitch for the Mets later on tonight. Domingo Herman on the mound for the Yankees. And uh, it's getting exciting, folks. We are coming towards the end of August. And uh, postseason baseball right around the corner. And that Met game yesterday was just unreal. I mean, unbelievable. We we did uh, talk about Trusty, Trump's attorney, talking to Mark Levin on the Great Ones radio show on Friday night again Uh, I am going to be on Mark Levin's radio show Thursday, September the 8th. Very excited about that. Promoting my new book, Citizens United. i got a big book signing coming up in Brooklyn on Saturday. Tell you more about that later. But Levin and Trusty talked about Donald Trump invoking that Fourth Amendment, which is uh, basically bitching about the fact that these people raided his home in Mar-a-Lago for no good reason. So if you missed it on Friday, here's Trump's attorney, Trusty, with Mark Levin, courtesy of WABC. As I understand it, something related to the Fourth Amendment, among other things, you guys are going to take some action, correct? 
Absolutely. Uh, coming soon. It should be something that uh, gets publicly filed. So the whole United States will get to read this thing. And I think that's important to the president. He's been very transparent through this whole process. And as you can imagine, Mark, because I know your chops, I know your background in terms of you know, just incredible legal knowledge. This is going to be Fourth Amendment based. You know, the litigation before Judge Reinhardt is all about First Amendment, frankly, uh, media versus DOJ. But we're going to weigh in very strong and very hard on behalf of the president who never should have been subjected to the search warrant. And we're going to be attacking that search warrant. When do you expect to file this? Uh, I guess I'll leave myself the, the, the possibility of Monday, but I would think it's probably going to be more like ours. It's coming very soon. So in this country, we've always been taught that you're innocent until proven guilty. We know that's not true. We know that. Come on. Just ask Nancy Grace. Everybody's guilty until proven innocent. But Jared Kushner, Donald Trump's son-in-law, made that point over the weekend that um, unlike uh, most families uh, in this country, uh, the Trump family is always guilty until proven innocent. We've seen that time and time again with impeachments and hoaxes and now this nonsense in January 6th. So here's Donald Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, driving home the point Trump is always guilty until proven innocent. Uh, it was very hard, and I, I worked hard to get the stories done accurately and to uh, compress all of it because we did have uh, impeachments, investigations, special counsels. Uh, it paid a, played a big toll on me. I mean, there was times where... You're sitting there and you're saying they're accusing me of these unbelievable things. I'm watching CNN and MSNBC and I'm, I'm watching these uh, media properties that I'd always held with esteem, like the New York Times and the Washington Post, writing things about me that I know aren't true. Uh, but in our country, it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But in our case, it was guilty until proven innocent. And we just had to put our heads down and, and work through and not uh, allow it to distract us from the work we were doing. There he is, Jared Kushner, Donald Trump's son-in-law. Donald Trump, guilty until proven innocent. Folk traffic and sports are coming up next, but right now it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable. That is a fantastic radio show, 8 a.m. every Sunday morning here on WABC with my guy, John Katsimatidis. I love him. John Katsimatidis, every Monday starting at 8, telling both sides of the story. Here, John talks Hillary Clinton with Doug Shane. Will Hillary Clinton go Seska, just like Bill Clinton did, and try to make a comeback in 2024? And let's hope that seeing every Democrat tries to bring the party back to the center, common sense, as you rightly said, John. I don't know if she will run. I know Secretary Clinton remains a qualified candidate, somebody not part of the Biden administration. So I never would count her or Bill Clinton out. I think that's one of the things we learned in the 90s together, John. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Again, I mentioned it moments ago. What an unbelievable win for the Mets yesterday. They found themselves down in this ballgame 4-0, in the um, in the ninth. And they won. They came back uh, 8-7, I should say, in the ninth. And they came back and won this game. The real hero yesterday was Mark Connor, no doubt about it. He has been red hot. Yes, Nate Fisher made his rookie debut, pitched three scoreless innings. That was huge. But Mark Connor was the man and has been the man now for the better part of two weeks. Here with the match down 7-4 to after a rain delay, Mark Connor ties the game for the Mets. And he gets on the first one. It's a deep to left. Back toward the corner. Right near the wall. 
is out of here! Marcana ties the game with a three-run homer! What a road trip for Marcana! Huge series in Atlanta, and now he hits a three-run homer to get the Mets even in the seventh inning. Gary Cohen, SNY 7-7. The Phillies got a pinch hit home run off of Trevor May in the bottom of the eighth. Took an 8-7 lead to the ninth. And after a double by Jeff McNeil, once again, Mark Hanna walked to the plate for the Mets. 2-2. Fly ball left field. Back goes Maton looking up at the wall. And it's out of here! Mark Hanna gives the Mets the lead with his second home run of the day. Unbelievable! Ties it in the seventh, gives the Mets the lead in the ninth. It's nine to eight, New York. Gary Cohen, SNY, Brandon Nimmo, a solo home run. They needed it. Edwin Diaz gave up a run in the ninth, but the Mets hold on, beat the Phillies 10 to nine. Couple that with the Braves' loss to the Astros, and the Met lead is now four. The Yankees get a win, too. They needed it badly. They voted the sweep against Toronto on an Andrew Benatendi home run in the eighth. Drill deep to right field. There it goes. Two-run home run. His first blast is a Yankee. It's 4-2 Yanks. Michael K. Yes, that's your final 42. The Yankees lead Toronto and Tampa Bay each by eight games. Mets and Yankees, weather permitting from the Bronx tonight. Max Scherzer on the mound for the Mets. Domingo Herman for the Yankees. The Giants last night beat the Bengals 25-22 preseason football. The Giants are now 2-0, and the Jets are a two-and-a-half-point home dog tonight against the Falcons. Sports brought to you by the great Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. Check them out, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontanklers.com. They do build America's best boilers. Dr. Mark Siegel coming up at 8.40 this morning with Sports. I'm Sid. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. On your Monday morning, looking for Andrew Giuliani to possibly join us at 7.40. Dr. Mark Siegel, 8.40. Norm Coleman coming up at 9.05. Lydia reports at 8.25. Beat Sid at 9.40. No Bernie this week. Bernie had a uh, setback and wasn't feeling well last week. That was the cancer. And then Thursday, his appendix burst. So he'll be out for the rest of the week. If I hear any more updates, believe me when I tell you, I will tell you. Uh, Joe Rogan, who has become America's podcast sweetheart said something on friday that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard i mean thug shane with john katsimatidis talking about hillary clinton being a you know a worthwhile candidate that's pretty stupid trust me but joe rogan said something even dumber if that's possible so we'll get to that now i know you i piqued your interest in the land of radio that's called a tease 
And the guys that are really good at radio, they do these really good teases. And uh, all these uh, program directors, they sit with you and they go, you got to tease. You, you got you to, you can't just end the segment with, we'll be right back right after this. Because then they leave and they go someplace. They have all these dicks who think they know something about radio. They know nothing. And uh, no, believe me, if they knew something, they'd be hosting these damn shows. And you can't say, you got to tease them. So here's your big tease. Joe Rogan said that. Why, why are you laughing? <laughs> you're, you're kind of kind of true. A hundred percent true. No, we, we we're gonna miss those people in that last quarter yeah, hour. Yeah, that yeah. quarter hour is very important, oh. and it leads into the next quarter hour, <laughs> and then the quarter hour after that needs the quarter hour before that to be teased, so uh, that the yeah. quarter hour after that people stay, and then we'll we'll keep that audience. Okay, the, I you I know you understand this yeah. now, right? You do. Okay, good. I mean, how many years? <laughs> Been hearing that for 25 years. Don't be 60 seconds late to the break. Make sure you tease. They go on and on and on. Very important. We break at that moment. It doesn't matter whether whether you're good on the air or not. The the, the talent doesn't matter. Just make sure you stick to these (laughs) fundamentals, and you'll be a huge superstar. You're huge. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I noticed at forty-two seventeen, you didn't break. You were laughing. Why oh, didn't you God. break right now? Uh, well, we'll get to that. Later. <laughs> I don't understand. Eric but. Spitz uh, used to do this type of stuff too. He was the program director at uh, uh, what's it called, the FAN. Yeah. <laughs> Turn up was yeah. the boss, you know, and he would never yell at Imus or Mike and the Bad Dog because they were superstars. See, there's always a show at every station that the management kind of stays away from, and I guess to a certain extent, we're that show here. Although they, they do, believe me, they, they yell at me plenty. But most stations, you have like your marquee shows, and the program director has to somehow justify his salary, which most of the time is way too much money. So they like pick on one show. I remember I used to go to work and host a midday show at uh, FAN. It was Joe uh, Beningo and Jody McDonald and Eddie Scazzeri who was a great radio guy oh, and yes. still to this day runs the board for Boomer and Geo Mornings at WFN, a great radio guy. He would always break my balls because I remember going to Lee Davis once and saying, I don't know if I want to stay here. And he said, Sid, you've got a lifetime career. What do you mean? I said, I don't know. I feel like between I miss and Mike and the Mad Dog, I'll never be a big star here. I'll always be fourth at best. So one day I came into work and I told Eddie this story. And on the studio door, he's such a son of a bitch. On the studio door, he had a big piece of paper with a number two and the picture of a fiddle. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a little reminder. Uh, Oh, God. I had a laugh. It was so brilliant. And any time I'd bitch and complain about my, my place... In the hierarchy at that station, he would put that picture up on the studio door, That's second fiddle. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. We don't have that here, thank God. He used to take the live copy in the four middays that John Minko would probably yeah, read. Yeah. He'd take a sponsor, go through it, and cross out one word and write penis <laughs> in the middle. Just and anywhere. John would say it. Well, because you didn't have time to pre-read it before, right. so he would just he would be about to, not available in all pe- uh, stores. <laughs> And then you just hear Eddie from the control room. First, oh, all laughing. That yeah. made his day. Oh, uh, that was that. funny. I mean, he, he was, was about a four-year-old with a you know, <laughs> know. B- beautiful brain that he had. He's great, and uh, those. Uh, but that's true. That's uh, that's what uh, that's what we were there. But at any rate, we uh, we teased it. Joe Rogan said the dumbest thing I've uh, I've ever heard. You know, during the last break, I did hear the commercial for Crystal Springs Resort. I told you guys on Friday. 
that me, Danielle, and Gabriel were heading back. You know, Ava is in Mexico, and then she comes home from Mexico next Sunday. She's home for about 10 days, and then we take her to England to go to college, which is uh, really, really beating me up. I know, I know, I know. It's a great time, blah, blah, blah. Please, it's kicking the crap out of me. But um, so we went back to Crystal Springs. So I got to tell you, folks, I, I didn't know about this place until about a couple of months ago. And there it is, nestled away in the mountains of New Jersey. A little town called Hamburg is uh, right outside the resort. It is such a gorgeous place. I mean, in terms of the scenery, you're going to be hard-pressed to find anything, even in the mountains of New York. I don't care if you're in Sullivan County, any one of these places, prettier than this. It is pristine. It really is. And the people who work there, whether it's uh, the owner, Chris, uh, Susan, who was just tremendous for me and my family this weekend, Michelle, who's away but set a bunch of this stuff up. And I have to thank Leslie Slender, too, our sales lady. She's a tremendous salesperson, and, and just I love her to death. Now, this was another great weekend. i got to tell you, the food at Latour on Saturday night is great. If you live in New Jersey, you must make your way to that restaurant. It is outrageously good. I mean, so good. Uh, a bit of an issue because we were underdressed. We weren't wearing jackets and shoes, so uh, the beginning was a little rough, but the dinner was amazing. And then I did something this weekend that I've never done before, and a lot of you saw it on my story, which got a lot of views on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. I did axe throwing, me, Daniela. Daniela done it before. She'd actually gone to clubs in New York City, so she had the experience, me and Gabriel, first time ever, and I was good at it. I mean, I threw this damn axe, and I nailed that bullseye, and um, I loved it. You want to talk about a good way of getting out aggression. You ever do that, Macedonia, Phil, go axe throwing? I have not, no. Uh, you would love it, man. I, I think so. My friends have all gone before, and they go to places that they're not, they don't have bars, but they have, like, BOI, BYOB. Oh, but in the city, they have bars. Yeah, yeah. yeah they serve you drinks and food. Yeah, and That you, sounds better. Yeah, but either way, just throwing the axe is fun, man. I want to do it really bad. It seems really fun. Well, you live, like, ten minutes from the Crystal Springs Resort. Yeah, but you you sneak in once in a while like steal towels and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't go there for the towels. I go in there for the spa. I mean, the <laughs> towels come with it. But. Well, talking about the spa, Danielle and I enjoyed massages, and uh, I had Deborah. She was great. I don't know who Danielle had, but the spa there, fantastic. We had a great dinner on Friday night. Uh, we uh, everything from uh, goat yoga to watching uh, chickens, how you raise them. It was. I know it sounds nuts. I know. It's the complete opposite of the hustle and bustle of New York City, you know, like you know, with like little animals and pretty scenery and massages and good food and the room, gorgeous. We had a, a, a suite, just absolutely beautiful. Gabe had his own room, sort of me and Danielle. I'm telling you, folks, if you've never been to this place and you don't feel like getting on an airplane and traveling five hours or six hours to California or seven hours to Europe, it's right there in Jersey. We got home yesterday in 90 minutes. Now, Friday took us two and a half hours from Queens to New Jersey on a Friday, obviously, during rush hour. But it is, it's worth it, folks. Crystal Springs Resort. And tell them, of course, Sid and Danielle sent you. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Andrew Giuliani, Dr. Mark Siegel, Norm Coleman, Lydia Reports. Beat Sid, all of it. It's going to be a great, already has been, but a great Monday morning Bernie and Sid show. Some more YouTube. Keep it right here, folks. Bernie and Sid, Talk Radio 77, WABC.
Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, special elections. We've had Andrew Garbarino on the show a bunch. And we've had his um, opponent, Robert Cornicelli, on too. I met Robert, Danielle and I did, uh, with Jen Delandro at a Yankee game about a month and a half ago. Great guy. A uh, guy fought for this country. Smart guy. Long Island guy. And I like him a lot. Uh, Peter King, of course, has been endorsing Andrew Garbarino for the longest time. And Garbarino replaced Peter once Peter retired. And uh, Peter King, who's one of my dearest and best friends, that is not an exaggeration, that's a fact. He really thinks Garbarino is great. And um, anyway, uh, they're going to go head-to-head uh, tomorrow. It'll be Garbarino, it'll be Cornicelli, and some guy no one's ever heard of named Mike Rakebrandt. And that is Republican primary for the U.S. House New York District 2 coming up tomorrow. Nicole Maliotakis, who did join us here last week, She's running against John Matland for the uh, U.S. House New York District 11. She's going to kill him. Max Rose is going to win big, two, And that's going to set up another Maliotakis-Rose head-to-head coming up this fall. Maybe the um, the most popular, if you will, the most talked about race is the incumbent Carolyn Maloney taking on the incumbent Jerry Nadler. You've also got somebody named Patel, who Bernie seems to like, and Sheth. And they're running in the Democratic primary for U.S. House District Number 12. And I know Maloney was actually a very tough on Nadler last week. These are two people I don't particularly like. <laughs> like I, I can't root for Maloney and or Nadler. But gun to the head, gun to the head if they said, you got to pick one or we're going to pull the trigger, I'd have to go against Nadler because I just hate him. Um, I really do. And I lived on the Upper West Side for many, many years, and he's a cancer, a Jew that was for the Iran deal. That's all you got to tell me, folks. Wake I up, hate you liberals. Yes, yes, thank you, Mark Levin. Thank you. So last week, Maloney said that Jerry Nadler is senile. I think she's right. I think he's also agenda-driven, biased, selfish, and stupid. But this is Callum Maloney. This is uh, cut number uh, nine leading up to tomorrow's special elections. I think that you should uh, read the editorial in the New York Post today. They call him senile. They cite his uh, performance at the debate where he couldn't even remember who he was. That's true. Who he impeached. He said he impeached Chuck Bush. (laughs) 
he did say that. Uh, he did forget he was impeached. Donald Trump, not Bush. Uh, anyway, that is uh, one of the big races coming up tomorrow. There's a bunch more we'll get to throughout today's program. And some of these folks may even call in because uh, if you want to be on any show in New York City talking politics, we are at the very top of the food chain, Bernie and Sid. So that is a great hour in the books. We have an exciting hour number two coming up. Bill O'Reilly's morning message, maybe Andrew Giuliani as well. Monday morning, as we wind down the summer with Bernie and Sid, right here with Rand Duran on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Burning and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Today is going to hold a news conference on the monkeypox outbreak in COVID. We're going to talk to Dr. Mark Siegel coming up at 840. The CDC came out last week and said, we suck. <laughs> Not even kidding, they did. But we knew that already, right? I mean, I'm just, I keep uh, yelling and screaming on the show with and without Bernie that I don't understand why anybody uses the CDC's suggestions and or recommendations as a guideline for anything. They've effed this thing up from day one. All of them have. The WHO, the CDC, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks. They don't know anything, any of these folks. And uh, Governor Hochul knows less. She's going to hold a news conference again on the monkeypox outbreak and COVID coming up later on today. And we will talk to Dr. Mark Siegel. Folks, I am proudly supporting the Tunnel to Towers 5K Walk Run New York City this year, which is on Sunday, September the 25th, and we need your help. Help us remember those lost on 9-11, almost up to 21 years, as we retrace FDNY firefighter Stephen Siller's final footsteps together. I would really appreciate you donating to my team. It's really simple to support the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, Bernie and Sid team. Here's how you do it. Go to wabcradio.com slash walk and click on my photo to donate to my team. Trying to raise the most money here at WABC. I did this last year and actually uh, partook in the event. We met over at the, the Ikea in Brooklyn early, early on a late September morning, it was chilly during the morning, but gorgeous and sun-splashed during the day. And uh, Leslie was there and Dougie and a bunch of uh, ABC personalities. Dominic, uh, the Greg Kelly, Greg took this very, very seriously. You know, I guess he runs, I don't know. I, I couldn't care. I just wanted to finish. And Greg was like, he had to beat me. That was his whole thing. Okay, great, he beat me. 
<laughs> Color me shocked. Ay, ay, ay. He was, like, psychotic about it, you know. But uh, at any rate, he was there. He raised a bunch of money, too. But I want to raise the most. So do me a favor. Thanks for your support as together we help America's heroes, one of the largest walks in New York City for a great cause, wabcradio.com slash walk. Frank is a great guy, Frank Stiller. He's become a good friend. Uh, obviously, his brother again, uh, Stephen, who passed away, 9-11. This is all in honor of him. Tunnel to Towers does a fantastic job year in and year out. This is a very, very worthwhile cause. So, folks, get involved. Donate to my team at the website today, and uh, come walk and run this thing. Well, uh, you weren't here last year during this event. That is correct. You were still at WOR in Radio Hell. But uh, now that you're here, would you uh, do something like this? Uh, Yeah, it's possible. No, you wouldn't. I mean, you can stop. Are you going to run 5K? Walk 5K? I've done that before. No, you haven't. That's a lie. All right. Well, it was nice talking to you. All right, thanks. When was the last time you actually did that? All kidding aside. Years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, you're, you're a, a small percentage correct. I mean, yes. I, I remember 20 years ago, of course. I've, I've, 20. Done, 10, I've done 10 Ks. I, I can see it because you, you were on our softball team. You were on the basketball team. Like, you were a good little athlete. I was pretty good. Yeah. That was, was 20 right. years ago. Yeah, I, I've fallen. You've fallen I, off. I've almost retired. <laughs> <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost there. <laughs> but, All right. Oh, you should do it, Macedonia, Phil. You with those big, thick Macedonian sexy legs. He and Justin right. should do it. Oh, for sure they should do it. All yeah. the young guys should do yes. it. Yes. They're all, all right. young. For 9-11. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's for charity. I, should, I probably should do it then. You're right. Do you ever run or, or walk? Yeah, or, yeah, I run. Like what? Like, what, what, well, like I don't know. Like, a like Forrest miles. Gump? I used to run four miles a day, so 5K is nothing. Oh, that's nothing for you? No. So are you going to do it? That's a lot of... Uh, was that a yes? What uh, was that? I don't know. Let's well, check the Macedonian dictionary. I was, like, I was like, Joe Biden, let's go back to the tape and figure that one out. Not exactly a yes. Unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. Taxes on small ones won't come. Alec, are you going to do it, Just? Um, it's for charity. If I did it, I, w- like, I don't run. These kids are the worst. Alec played like college baseball. He was like the next, you know, Barry Bonds. Yeah, I was. Macedonia Phil is like, he, he boasts about his athletic ability. And neither one of these guys will do a 5K walk for 9 11. And they're in their 20s. And exactly. Guess how many at bats I got in college? How many at bats did you get in college? One. Guess what I did in that at bat? You struck out. On three pitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, at least you got there. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. Congratulations. Anyway, go to the website, WA. BC. We now have a video tribute to Justin Ellick for joining the team. If you put your attention to center field camera. Oh, funny. Strike, <laughs> strike. Don't, don't, don't blink. <laughs> He's gone. WABCradio.com slash walk and help my friend Frank Siller and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation donate to my team and uh, just do that today. Okay. Uh, still waiting on hearing back from Andrew Giuliani for a possible 740 appearance. Dr. Mark Siegel confirmed for 840. My cousin Norm Coleman confirmed for, uh, for 905. But I have been saying all morning long that Joe Rogan said something. Joe Rogan right now has the most popular podcast in the world. Bernie plays his stuff on this show all the time. And he plays his stuff because... Rogan every now and then agrees with us, but then he doesn't really. You know, it's 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 kind of like we play Jake Tapper's stuff once in a while. But for the most part, Tapper hates Trump and hates us. Or we'll play uh, Bill Maher's stuff once in a while. But for the most part, Bill Maher hates Trump and hates us. You know, so 
Bernie specifically gets so excited when one of these guys says something that is, um, well, they agree with us, that he's compelled to play it. But uh, if I do that, I do want to warn you folks, don't be fooled. They hate you. It doesn't matter. They may agree on a couple of things, but they hate you. And Joe Rogan hates you. He hates you. And he has bashed Donald Trump time and time again. Every comedian Joe Rogan has on his ultra-popular show bashes Donald Trump time and time again. But uh, I may take back what I said about Rogan. He may not have said the dumbest thing I've ever heard this weekend. There was somebody else. And that is, as Bernie likes to call him, Adam Bullshiff. Adam was on talking about Jake Tapper, State of the Union, which is a show that nobody watches. Uh, Jake Tapper, CNN, State of the Union. That's his Sunday show. And what Adam says here about Nancy Pelosi now has trumped Joe Rogan for the dumbest thing I've ever known. I'll let you guys make the choice yourself. I'll play Adam Schiff, and then I'll play Joe Rogan. Just so you know, Adam Schiff is talking about Nancy Pelosi. Joe Rogan talks about Barack Obama. And in Sid Rosenberg's opinion, both are some of the dumbest dialogue I've ever heard. But that's my opinion. Maybe you feel differently. So we'll play Schiff first, again, courtesy of Jake Tapper and CNN on Nancy Pelosi. Speaker Pelosi has previously vowed to step down from leadership after this term. There's already been some jockeying behind the scenes to replace her as either Speaker or uh, House Minority Leader, uh, however the elections go. Would you want to be leader of the House Democratic Caucus? Well, first, I, I think the, the Speaker has been uh, truly the most uh, impressive, incredible, and productive Speaker in our history. Uh, so I hope that she'll stay. Uh, if she makes the decision not to stay, uh, right now all I'm focused on is making sure that we are successful in this midterms and we have a majority uh, to pick the next Speaker. Adam Schiff said, and I quote, Nancy Pelosi has been the most impressive incredible and productive speaker in our country's history on the stupid meter (laughs) even eric adams is laughing and he's horrible too on the stupid meter 10 being the dumbest thing you've ever heard one being i can buy that where would you put that one that that is up there that's up there right there that's got to be a nine maybe a 10 yeah that's not (laughs) all right well i thought this was every bit as bad joe rogan on his podcast now listen I have been very critical of Barack Obama on this show. So was Bernard. Neither one of us are huge fans. But I really thought Obama was one of the most feckless leaders in our country's history. This guy would get on TV. You get nine people having a nice lunch in Paris, blown to smithereens. People going to a a nice little concert in Paris, shot dead in attendance. Going to a soccer game. People, you know, the, the, that cute little uh, brother-sister combination from New Jersey blown up at an airport in Brussels. You know, these uh, these uh, crazy uh, couple in California shooting people during a Christmas party. And time and time again, it felt like back then there was a terrorist attack every week, whether it was Brussels or Paris or California or Tennessee. When Obama was president, maybe it was just my feeling, it felt like every goddamn week. And he would always uh, always get out there, and he wasn't mad. He wasn't angry at the terrorists. He was just worried about how you treated your Muslim neighbor. Please don't. Please don't. And I was like, hey, Obama, you wussy, get angry for once. Please get angry for once. He never did. You know, he, he bailed us out of the, the recession by borrowing all that money. Another car, I know he saved the car industry, but 
That was the slowest moving economy in the history of the country. And worst thing of all, here he was, Mr. I'm your first black president. I'm going to clear. I'm going to I'm going to fix all the racial divide in this country. And the divide was on fire. Don't forget, BLM was born under Barack Obama, Ferguson, Missouri, Barack Obama. And he screwed that thing up both the way he reacted and with his dialogue. Freddie Gray, Baltimore, Barack Obama, the list goes on and on. He was a nightmare for eight years. He spoke beautifully. He's elegant. He's articulate. He's all those things. But he was a horrible president. Horrible. And truth be told, there's a lot of white people who say he was a great president. You know why? Because he was black. And they feel like they better say that. Aren't you sick and tired of that? Aren't you sick and tired of not being able to criticize somebody because they're a different color? Of pandering and saying, no, he's great or she's great because she's black or because she's white or Asian or whatever the taste of the week may be. So Joe Rogan on his podcast is uh, talking about this Netflix show that Obama once did with Bruce Springsteen. And he makes a certain comment about Obama which is as equally as exaggerate as what we heard just now from Schiff on Nancy Pelosi. This is Joe Rogan. You know, he did a podcast for a little while. He did a podcast with Bruce Springsteen. It just wasn't good. (laughs) It's not that he couldn't be good. It's just that he's this, he's bigger than everything. You know, he's the greatest president ever. Stop it right there. Stop it right there. Joe Rogan just said, not Abe Lincoln, not Ronald Reagan, Barack Obama, the greatest president ever. You did hear that, right? Play it one more time so the folks can really let that soak in. Barack Obama, the greatest, he may have been the best dancer, I'll give him that, the greatest president ever. Here's Joe Rogan. You know, he did a podcast for a little while. He did a podcast with Bruce Springsteen, and it just wasn't good. It just, <laughs> it's not that he couldn't be good. It's just that he's this, he's bigger than everything. You know, he's the greatest president ever. Oh, my God. When he goes and does a podcast, he can't just have a whiskey and talk. No. You know, but if he did, it would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Why? You, you mean that think, he's restrained by. Yes. Yeah. You would think he's achieved escape velocity where he no, can no, express but himself. He, 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 first of all, he's scared to death of Michelle. Maybe Joe Rogan never saw the videotape of when Barack Obama was sitting next to that cute little blonde who ran one of those countries, Norway or something, I don't know, at Nelson Mandela's funeral, and there's Michelle Obama staring him down next to them like, I'm going to kill your ass. I'm going to kill you. Maybe he missed that, Joe Rogan. But what do you think is worse? Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, has been the most impressive, incredible, and productive speaker in our history. Or Joe Rogan, Barack Obama, is the greatest president ever. Which one's worse? Or maybe you agree with those two things. I don't know. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Which one's worse? Pelosi the greatest? Or Barack Obama, the greatest. We'll take a short break. We got lots more to do. Three great guests. We're going to play Beat Sid. We got Lydia Reports as well. Off to a terrific start on a very exciting Monday morning. Mets and Yankees. Weather permitting from the Bronx later on tonight. Keep it right here, Bernie and Sid, on a Monday. Diamond market, the scarlet welcome carpet that they just rolled up. 
Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Monday, let me ask you a question. Do you ever get overwhelmed? Most everybody does. If you have too many things going on at once and or mistakes happen. So here's how it works. We Americans accomplish more than any other people on the planet. That is our society. If you travel around, let's go to Europe. There's a uh, cafe society. People sit there with their little coffee and their pinky out and they're smoking. And I mean, Greece, those tavernas, hours and hours. And then if you go to the Far East, everybody's running around, but they're not really segmenting their lives. They have one thing to do. This is what I do. They eat really fast, uh, generally speaking, in the Far East. But it's not like America where when you wake up, you've got a schedule, right? Unless you're at Leisure Village uh, retired. If you're working and you got kids, you got a schedule. You know that. And sometimes the schedule gets too much because we try to accomplish everything. And if something goes wrong, everything goes off the rails. So I got overwhelmed this week. I lost my sunglasses. I didn't take my wallet when I went out. I mean, it was crazy. And the reason I got overwhelmed, because I was thinking of other things. And therefore, I wasn't in the moment. The way not to be overwhelmed is to slow it down. Live in the moment. Concentrate on what you're doing now. If you can't do everything, that's it. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good. Great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning. I walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. I did say album, Billy Joel, Awful Lena, 727, Monday morning. It's going to be hot and sunny the rest of the week. Temperatures high 80s tomorrow, back in the 90s on Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday afternoon is going to be 90 degrees, and I'm going to be dressed in a jacket and tie, and I'm going to be bitching and complaining, because that's what I do. I got a huge event coming up on Wednesday with Lee Zeldin, and um, I don't think I can tell people where it is, but uh, they've got uh, some big speakers at this fundraiser. Uh, the speakers include Kimberly Guilfoyle. We love her. Donald Trump Jr. Ray Kelly, the former New York police commissioner, and Sid Rosenberg. That jerk off. Those are the four that I know of. But there'll be other big people in attendance like Lawrence Taylor, the all-time giant great, and uh, Eric Coleman from the Jets, some Mets and Yankees. So that's Wednesday afternoon for me. And then um, September the 4th, 
I'll be in Deal, New Jersey with Lee Zeldin, with President Trump. So I've got two major events coming up with Lee, my guy Lee, and the guy that lost to Lee Zeldin, but a very respectable second-place finish, finishing ahead of both Harry Wilson and Rob Astorino. My new best friend, Andrew Giuliani, will join us in about 10 minutes. Andrew is going to be a star in radio. That's my prediction. But uh, we'll see. Uh, he's coming up at 7.40, Dr. Mark Siegel at 8.40, Norm Coleman, 9.05. So a great show tomorrow, already booked, include Bo Deedle, always great on a Tuesday, Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist, and former New York Met great John Franco with the Mets and Yankees playing two in the Bronx, weather permitting, starting tonight. So great guests all week long, I promise you that. Here is um, Bob in New Jersey, online four. Good morning, Bob. Uh, good morning, Sid. Nice to talk with you. You too, pal. Uh, I just wanted to say some uh, good things that Barack Obama did. Some good things. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, in 2013, he let Smithfield Foods, the biggest pork producer in America, be sold to the Chinese. <laughs> in 2014, he let a big milk co-op in Kansas be sold to the Chinese. He let Ford sell Volvo in 2009 to the Chinese. He let 97% of our meds be made in China. That's right. And he let GE sell the appliance division well, you know, I'm to glad the you, I'm glad you brought all that up. That's excellent work out of you, Bob, because remember when Donald Trump was running and uh, Trump said, I'm going to bring back all this business to the United States because they ran out of here. In the eight years prior, when who was president? The aforementioned Barack Obama. All these major companies, and Bobby said a really good job there, left. It was gone. And Trump said, I'm bringing them back. And guess what Donald Trump did? He brought them back. One thing about Trump, you may not like him, that's fine. I don't care anymore, guys. It's tiring already. Um, what he promised, he basically did. And that is not the case with the overwhelming amount of folks who run for office, not just president, any office. Barack Obama. What was the word? He, he, hope, right? It was he was going to provide hope and something else. I forget the second word. Not hope and peace, hope and something. There was no hope. It was eight years of hell. Eight years of hell. Trump promised you something. He did it. Here is a Rick in Elmwood Park. Rick is online, too. Good morning, Ricky. It was hope and change. Hope and change. Thank you for that, Rick. And we, well, we uh, uh, nothing. Uh, the no hope and uh, the change was for the worse. I'll tell you what the change was. Obama forced America to switch 6% of our food crops to biofuel, causing food riots in over 20 countries. Tens of thousands of people died in the food riots, and countless more died from starvation. And that was all because of the global warming climate change scam. And I'll give you a link. You can look those facts up. All you have to do is search biofuel-caused food crisis. Well, I believe you. I'll check it out, but I believe you. Look, thank you, both you guys, Bob and Rick, for just emphasizing the point which I made, which was he was not a good president. Think about being the best of all time, Joe Rogan. I mean, he's high. He's obviously high, Joe Rogan. He wasn't even good. He was bad. He was bad. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I love you. I really do. You and yeah, Andrew. Thanks for teaching you. Andrew. You're doing a great job. Uh, <laughs> You're a great mentor.
That was Rudy Giuliani on this show last week, the day after he was forced to sit in front of the grand jury for about seven hours in Georgia. Complete nonsense. Rudy, the esteemed mayor of New York City, we love him, Bernie and I, on this show. Now, of course, does a great job three to four every weekday on this station. And that day when Rudy was in Georgia, in his stead on this station was a guy Rudy knows pretty well, his son, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, of course, uh, ran for governor. And it was a heck of a run. Four pretty good men, Harry Wilson, Rob Astorino, Rudy Giuliani, and Lee Zeldin. And uh, Andrew finished a very respectable second to Lee Zeldin, who, of course, is our only hope in this state. As I pointed out, I've got a bunch of huge events with Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Gilpoil, and all these people coming up with Zeldin over the next couple of weeks. So Andrew actually filled in uh, that day, last week. I called in, so did Zeldin. And I got to tell you. The kid is great. He's great on this show with me and Bernie every time. He's grown up, of course, on TV and all that, so it's no great surprise. Oh, here he is, the son of the great Rudy Giuliani. He's great himself, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, how are you, buddy? Uh, Sid, you know, one of the things that I keep hearing is I've got the face for radio. They say you have the voice for radio. That's a little different. I don't know what I'm missing right there. But I got to tell you, yesterday I was out at Trump Bedminster for a little bit, had the opportunity to see the president uh, just for a few minutes and and chatted with him. And he said how much, how excited he's looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks at Congressman Zeldin's event. Specifically, he said he can't wait to see Sid. That, that, ne- that never that ne- it's a cute story and i love you for saying it never happened <laughs> of course it never happened but i'm going to see him in a deal on september the 4th and um listen i tell you he was on this show once the week that me and bernie took over for imus and the conversation started with me andrew saying to trump i gotta be honest donald and i've known this guy for a long time he was doing my sports shows 25 years ago in vegas at tyson fights i said i didn't vote for you i said i thought you had one of the dumbest sophomoric runs ever. You wore a red hat. You told me you were going to build a wall, and you nicknamed all your opponents. Now, I didn't like Obama, and I didn't like Clinton, but I didn't see anything in Trump that was going to make me believe he'd be a great president. But I said, but Donald, to your credit, now I'm one of your biggest supporters because I didn't vote for you, but you turned out to be a great president. And, Andrew, i got to tell you, he went back to that during the 12-minute conversation with me and Bernie twice. He loved the fact that I was able to to actually, that he changed me from a non-Trump guy to a Trump guy. You know that's Donald Trump's personality. He loved that. Absolutely. And, and I think I think you see it with some of the numbers in terms of all the votes that he got in 2020, right? And in, 20, in 2016, I think he ended up getting a total of about 62 million votes. In 2020, we're talking about 74 million votes. And obviously, we could talk about all the issues that happened in 20, but specifically, just you're talking about 12 million more people decided to say, I'm voting for Donald Trump in 2020 than they did in 2016. And you saw it in all different communities. 
that maybe didn't traditionally vote Republican, right? We saw it in the African-American community that had the most votes ever for a Republican. I say the most votes since Eisenhower for a Republican. We saw it with the Hispanic-American community where he cracked 40 percent for the first time, maybe I think ever for a Republican president. So he certainly uh, did things for the Republican Party where he introduced new people to the Republican Party that, that I think really were not interested or for some reason kind of taken the, the media bait on what the Republican Party actually is there. And, and that's why he's such an important part uh, of the party moving forward. But uh, one of the things we did talk about yesterday when we were out there was obviously the gubernatorial run. And we talked about uh, what Congressman Zelda needs to do over the coming nine weeks in order to to win this race. And and, uh, look, I think he's within striking distance. I think this is one of these things where uh, it certainly would help if Hochul says something uh, stupid like McAuliffe said in Virginia, that that, uh, parents are not the primary stakeholders in their kids' education. Uh, But we know that where she stands on uh, school choice, how against it she is. We know where she stands uh, on uh, on bail reform. And we know that part of the reason why we're seeing crime and our quality of life deteriorate here in New York City and all across the state is because she has decided to kowtow to the liberal progressives instead of actually looking at each and every New Yorker and saying, what can I do to make the city, the state a safer place for everybody? Lee Zeldin will do that. Kathy Hochul will not. She will just continue to play politics. And she may not have to say anything stupid for Lee to gain some traction. Every time something happens in the city, like a Jose Alba situation, where she yeah. did nothing for that man, he went to Rikers Island, or the, yeah. the cab driver who was dragged out of his car and beaten to death a couple of weeks ago, or the guy last week that she actually did say something right. She said put him back in jail, uh, but that was too little too late because he already raped the girl and punched a guy across the face and nearly killed him. So without her saying anything... Just read the local papers here in New York, and you know just from that, Andrew Giuliani, she's got to go. And, Sid, the the fact that she had to actually intervene in that I think shows that the system is broken, right? She should be looking at that specific case that she had to intervene in last week and say, wait a second, the system is broken here. I should be doing something systematically to make sure that somebody in this situation who literally attempted to murder somebody does not actually get released here. Instead, she looks at the one-off case because she was pressured and said, let me take care of this because this will ease the political pressure on this, and then I'll hope that people are at the beach and forget about it and don't right. even think about it right, right there, and there are more Democrats than Republicans. Instead, she should be actually looking at the overarching issue there, and if she does that, then, you know what, it'll be tough for Congressman Zeldin, but the truth is, she's not going to do that, and that's why we need Congressman Zeldin to win this thing, because he's the only one that's going to look at bail reform. He's going to be the only one that actually looks at this and implements some of the crime policies that worked in New York in the 90s and 2000s, the glory days of New York City. Unfortunately, we're going the wrong way. I saw this with my wife last night as we were walking around, and we saw three different homeless guys that there. One guy actually was masturbating on the street oh my God. on Sunday night. Oh, we live God. in a nice neighborhood. Well, you know, this is, this is terrible. What, what, what time terrible. was that? I left the city about 830. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, he did have a shiny, glossy, bald head and and large (laughs) shoulders. And I know you're working on your shoulders last week. That's right. I was. Could have been me. No, and I know where you live. It's it's a nice part of New York City, obviously. So uh, that's always uh, very disturbing. But I have to tell you that we're so city-centric because, to be honest, 
New Yorkers, we're very arrogant. We really are. And we think it's all about us all the time, especially me. And it's all about the New York and the city area. But uh, as you know, Andrew, running that great campaign, which you did running for governor, it's not just the city. When you talk about crime, yeah. my mother lives in Monticello. It is a mess. I mean, she's six miles outside of Monticello, a nice Jewish community. But it, but it's yeah. a mess. You've been to Binghamton, Rochester, Syracuse. Yeah. It's not just about the city. Quite frankly, some of the biggest cities in this state, as you know, are a mess. It's everywhere. Rochester, the most murders ever in recorded history last year, and as of a month ago, they were on pace to surpass that. Same thing with Binghamton, where they had the most murders ever in history. We're also seeing it some of the rural counties in New York. I remember talking to Sheriff Carpinelli from Lewis County, which is way up, five hours north and west of New York City. Um, and they have the same issues with the same about five or six people that they're continually releasing that they can't actually Hold, who are committing the same crimes, basically. So this is, this is an issue whether or not you live in a rural area. Obviously, if you live in a city, and especially in a big city like New York, it certainly is a bigger issue. And that's, and that's why, look, I've been spending the summer trying to help candidates that I think really uh, will help our country, will help our state. Well, give me a couple. Uh, obviously, Lee Zeldin is one of those guys. Who are some other candidates, Lee, that you think could really be of help right away? Yeah, well, when I Andrew. look at, obviously, this primary coming up, on Tuesday, tomorrow, I think Rob Cornicelli in New York, too, is a guy who's an America First candidate, somebody who's going to stand up, a military veteran, somebody who I believe in. Uh, Anthony Figliola in New York won to replace Lee Zeldin as a guy who I've gotten close with, I think would be a tremendous member of Congress and somebody uh, that uh, will really represent us well there. And so these are two guys who I've really spent a lot of time with. I spent They spent a lot of time with me during my gubernatorial run. Uh, and these are guys that I would certainly trust to represent us. Well, let me ask uh, you this. Are, I got to know yeah. Cornicelli a little bit, too. I met him at a Yankee game a couple of about yeah. two months ago with Danielle and my friend Jen. A super guy. As you said, he served. He's uh, He's got all the right ideas. But Peter King, one of my best friends, I know you're close with Peter also, he swears yeah. by Garbarino. So if Cornicelli was to lose, are you okay with Garbarino? You know, look, as somebody who oh, that's a no. uh, that's worked a no. in the Trump administration. <laughs> <laughs> you hesitated. As somebody, as, <laughs> you got me hesitating. You did get me hesitating. That's a good question right there. Look, right now the answer is I'm pulling for Rob Pornicelli. I think he's the best bet to come out of New York, too, right there. Look, do I think Garbarino would be better than the Democrat? Yeah, I do think he would be better than the Democrat. But the truth is I don't want somebody who's just going to be better than the Democrat. I want somebody who's going to go to Congress. Uh, who's not going to actually give light to the January 6th hearings, which unfortunately is something that Andrew Garbarino ended up doing in there. Uh, I want somebody who's going to go up there and stand up for our America First values, and that's why I think Rob Cornicelli is going to be that guy. And Anthony Figliola in New York 1 is going to be that guy as well. Look, Peter King is somebody who I've respected and, and I love for a very long time, and, and he's certainly somebody who knows that area uh, better than probably almost anybody right there. So I certainly respect him. But I'm backing Rob Cornicelli on this one because I think he's a guy who's going to stand up for those America First values and somebody who's not going to uh, not not going to turn his back on the people that elect him. All right, fair enough. Two more. We'll let you run. Uh, MSNBC. Go back to the Donald Trump conversation. Is seizing all morning long that while Donald Trump, Andrew feels like this Mar-a-Lago raid will benefit him, and I agree it will, in 2024, that other folks close to Donald Trump don't think that's the case. What does Andrew Giuliani think? 
Well, I actually did not spend my morning watching MSNBC, if you can believe that. Mostly, mostly because I try to keep my sanity on a daily basis. And if I, I watch well, about 20 minutes of MSNBC, I, I, know. See, I, I don't have, have a choice. MSNBC you, you, in the background. Right, right you, you've done you, these shows in the studio. You see CNN, MSNBC, they're all on here. So. <laughs> No, look, I, I think I think it's showing more and more people. And I have to tell you, there were a couple of people that were independents, a couple of people that didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2020 that are friends of mine who told me just in the last week that they thought this FBI raid was going way above and beyond and that it better be something very obvious that the president is doing. If the president, for example, let's say, if they knew the president was shopping nuclear codes to the Russians for the Chinese, then that would be something where you could see a raid of Mar-a-Lago. But that's something that we know President Trump not only is not doing, but the media is actually throwing that out there, very similar to what they did with the early, in the early stages of the Russia investigation with the dossier right there. I really did believe, as so many people have said before, this is a fishing expedition in order to try to get whatever information they possibly can. So that way they can get the information, see what they have, and try to pin something on him. But I think this is absolutely going to help President Trump. I think this is going to continue to turn people off, unfortunately, of how politicized the FBI has been. I remember talking about this on the campaign trail just recently. The FBI should not be focused on parents calling them domestic terrorists, potentially, if they want to stand up at a school board meeting. This is obvious that they've become political. And it's not just political against President Trump. It's against so many of these conservative philosophies that I think really are strong. They're trying to root them out because they're radical. On the way out, your father on this show last week, Andrew, the great Rudy Giuliani, um, talked about all the things that he's gone through the last couple of years. And outside of Donald Trump, it's been a six-year witch hunt. I think it's fair to say your dad next in line. They want him. They made a, he had Rush. He was a Russian spy at one point. He, you know, he helped rigor in the election. He's uh, had to face a grand jury now. Your father has been through an awful lot the last couple of years. What does he tell you at home between the two of you guys you're going to share now with the whole New York City audience? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Sid, and, and this is truly the amazing thing. I could I could say this. Um, he's a guy who is so optimistic all the time. And it is pretty amazing. There are some days where, where I'll, I'll go and spend a little time with him and I'll say, man, he's got to be. I remember one day in particular last year when the FBI raided his house. Uh, yep. And I went over and said, man, I wonder how he's going to be feeling. And he was just. He's okay. What's next? What's next? That, he was. He's always focused on what can I do right now to help the situation, whether it is the country, whether it's the city, whether it's his situation, whether it's President Trump. Um, so he really is a, a strong and tough guy. Obviously, recently he's had a, a little issue with his heart right there. He's been taken care of. Um, but even still, everybody hears him on three o'clock on WABC, and, and uh, you know he, he he doesn't. He tries not to take any days off unless the Georgia grand jury. <laughs> Is, uh, is calling him in, in which case they have to settle for Andrew Giuliani right there. But thankfully, a guy named Sid Rosenberg called in and saved the show. They said the show was, was burning in flames. They were going to cancel it until Sid came, called in, and then you saved it. So you came out there like Mariano Rivera. Ah, very good. Actually, I beg to differ. I think you could have uh, a show on this station any day. And if I was John Katzmatidis and or Chad Lopez, and I mean this, I would uh, seriously consider – 
hiring you today until you run for your next political office, which I think one day will be the presidency of the United States. I really feel that way, but you're great on the air. And I will tell you this, uh, driving back from a resort yesterday with the beautiful Danielle, we had uh, Stern on. I still like Howard. And he was interviewing uh, David Spade, and he said, uh, one point of the conversation, Stern says to Spade, you know, I really enjoyed that uh, dinner together we had at the Chinese restaurant. And I looked at Danielle and I said, <laughs> big deal. We went for Italian food with Andrew Giuliani. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you're, uh, look, I, I think the truth is when it comes to all this, uh, it's a lot tough to actually ask the questions than it is be the ones answering the questions on the other side. So for the fact that you get up here through this four hours a day, uh, it truly is amazing. And, and one of the things, and I told this to John earlier, and I really think this is the amazing thing, on the campaign trail, the thing I heard all the time was, hey, I heard you on Bernie and Sid this morning. Or I heard you on the Cats Roundtable. I heard you on with Greg Kelly. WABC really has created a community here in New York, and, and it really is a wonderful thing. I, I know that you hear that with people calling in, but when you see it when you're on the ground campaigning day in and day out, it really is a special thing. Well, well, you guys are special, too. You and your father, and you're part of the reason why WABC is where we are. So thank you for these wonderful 15 minutes this morning. You're so good, Andrew. And uh, I love the book here for you, too, so you could uh, check that out. And I'll see you in a couple of days. How about that? Good. Curtis is going to be happy. I don't have to steal his book anymore right there. He was getting a little angry about that. So that's good. I don't want to make Curtis angry. You know no, you that. don't. No, you don't. He's a psycho. Andrew, thank you so much. All the love, buddy. Thank you. There he is, Andrew Giuliani. The apple did not fall far from the tree. That kid is a great talker. And uh, I'm telling you, folks, sky's the limit for politics for Andrew Giuliani. Lots more to do. That was great. Dr. Mark Siegel, Norm Coleman, Lydia Reports, Pete Sid. Come on, baby. We just getting started. Some more Limelight by Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. We both lie silently still in the dead of the night. Although we both lie close together, we feel miles apart inside. Was it something I said or something I did? Did my words not come out right? Though I tried not to hurt you, though I tried. But I guess that's why they say every rose has its thorn. Just like every night has its dawn. Just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. Every rose has its thorn. So the great Tim Valentine was talking about Governor Kathy Hochul, these uh, injections from monkeypox. So we'll have a press conference later on today on the monkeypox outbreak and COVID. But we've got something better, Dr. Mark Siegel who actually knows what he's talking about. Fox News will join us at 8.40 later on this hour after Lydia. 
And then my first cousin, he's always a great conversation, spent eight years as the mayor of St. Paul, Minnesota, went on to uh, win, served in the Senate there, too. Uh, Norm Coleman will join us at 9.05. We'll play Beat Sid, your chance at cash and prizes. Thanks to Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers coming up at 9.40. That was a great conversation with Andrew Giuliani, who's really good on the air, and I think we we'll have to hire him. I mean, completely. I mean, I mean he's got to run for something again, as he should, his first foray into politics as a young man, second in a gubernatorial primary is pretty damn good. So he's um, he's going to win something very, very big one day. Very big. But for now, we should put him on. Not my call. John and Chad will make that decision. But I'd put him on. He is much better than a bunch of people on the air right now. That's all I'm going to say. And don't start asking who. That's the Who? Oh, God said who? Like Bernie says, name names. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Who was Sid talking about? Who is Sid talking about? Who's he better than? That's, I'm going to check the uh, site. If yeah, it's up there. I'll is there a poll? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm so, going to guess it's. I'll be quiet, will you? Guess both into trouble. It's the last thing we need. Uh, talking about Andrew Giuliani one day running for president, this uh, Liz Cheney. Oh, you remember her? She got blown out in Wyoming last week. I mean, blown out of the water. Lost by over 30 points. And again, at the risk of repetition, she got 73% of the vote a couple of years ago. She spent the last couple of years bashing Donald Trump and talking about January 6th all day, every day. And then she got murdered. So what does that tell you? (laughs) Be careful when you turn your back on Donald Trump. And uh, now people like me and Bernard and most of you out there who are Trump supporters, maybe some tepid, maybe some berserk, it doesn't matter. You can't like Liz Cheney. But (laughs) she gets blown out, I mean blown out in the state of Wyoming, and she tells, was it Guthrie, somebody on NBC, the very next day, I'm considering a run for president, and she's still talking about it. She was um, with Jonathan Carl, and she said, you're not going to believe this, I mean, we played, it, we played a couple of things this morning are hard to believe. Adam Schiff saying Nancy Pelosi is the greatest speaker ever. Joe Rogan saying Barack Obama is the best president ever. Now Liz Cheney says the last thing, the last thing the RNC wants is for me to debate Donald Trump. <laughs> Liz, baby. I mean, this lady's got, she's a real, I mean, she's nuts. I knew her father, Dick. That's his name, by the way. He is a dick, but he's actually a dick. Uh, <laughs> I knew he was all out there, but Liz Cheney, my God, this is number 14, Lou. You run for president because you believe you would be the best the best candidate, because you believe you'd be the best president of the United States. And, and so any decision that I make uh, about doing something that significant and that serious would be with the intention of winning and because I think I would be the best candidate. Would your path be... Inside the Republican Party or outside the Republican Party? I haven't made any any uh, specific decisions or plans about that at this point. So running as an independent is a possibility. It's but one of the things you're thinking I'm about. I'm not going to go down that path anymore in terms of speculating. It, it sounds like the RNC is already trying to figure out ways to keep you out. Uh, you know, the, there's, there's this idea that uh, to get in any debate, you have to promise that you would support the eventual nominee. I mean, that's obviously not going to happen. You're not going to do that. Uh, I can understand why they would not want me on a debate stage with Donald Trump. And no. I would imagine Donald Trump isn't too interested in that either. Why? Why wouldn't he be interested? Uh, I saw back in 2016 him take out 17 of the most impressive politicians in a very, very long time. You're a hack. 
Why would you think you scared Donald Trump? I mean, listen, look, Chuck Todd, you guys know, I know what bothers some of you. He's a dear friend of mine, and I love Chuck. I don't like most of the stuff he says on Meet the Press. He's been demoted NBC. I know all that. But when I was in the throes of my addictions and I couldn't find a job, it was Chuck Todd who called me. It was Chuck Todd who texted me. And when I got a job at a really crappy little station in Pompano Beach, Florida, the host of Meet the Press made it his business to come on every Friday and didn't ask for a penny. That's Chuck Todd. That's a good man right there. So whether he likes Trump, doesn't like Trump, I don't care. I disagree with him. I think he sounds silly at times. I even rip him in my new book. He's not going to like that. But um, I still love the man, Chuck Todd. But even he says in their respective parties, Liz Cheney is about as unpopular as it gets. This is Chuck Todd, too, courtesy of NBC. Joe Manchin and Liz Cheney? Well, no one likes them either. And with their own parties, they are the most unpopular. Their own parties, they are the most unpopular. And as he's been doing almost every week now... Maybe some of you don't dislike Chuck Todd as much as you did six months ago because he continuously points out Joe Biden's really lousy approval rating numbers. He did it again on Sunday. Talked about how most Americans ain't that happy. This is Chuck Todd 3, once again, courtesy of NBC. And a good Sunday morning to all of you. We are less than three months before the midterms, and our brand-new NBC News poll paints a pretty bleak picture. Americans are angry. They're disappointed. And they are worried about the future of this country. Just 21% of adults say we are heading in the right direction. And once again, three out of four Americans say we are on the wrong track. In fact, this number, never before in our poll, has this wrong track number been over 70% for this long. It's been nearly a year now. 58%, by the way, say America's best years are behind us. That's an all-time high in our poll. So there you have it. Those are the numbers. And let me tell you, Chuck Todd does not take any glee in starting off a Sunday morning meet the press with those numbers. But he has been doing it a lot lately because those are the facts. And as I stated about two hours ago, dating back to Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan, where the hell is Joe Biden? I mean, we spent day after day, month after month, specifically Bernard, playing clips of Joe Biden. Day after Who said day. that? Yeah, there you go. Month after he's gone. He's gone. He went on vacation the day after the Mar-a-Lago raid. He said nothing after Pelosi's trip to Taiwan. I'm not even sure he's alive. Uh, Macedonia, Phil, what can you tell me about Joe Biden's whereabouts and what's going on? He's hiding in my basement. It wouldn't surprise me. You know that. It wouldn't surprise me. Why not? Well, uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, who is the White House press secretary and will not be at a Mensa meeting anytime soon. She talks specifically about the poll numbers, Biden's poll numbers, going up and down like an Otis elevator. See what I did there? Like an Otis elevator. Come on now. You got that? Yeah. Here is uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre, number five. There's going to be many polls. They're going to go up or they're going to go down. Yeah. Uh, this is not the thing that we are solely focused on. What are you focused uh, on? We are focused on things like today, signing this bipartisan gun reform legislation, which will, again, save lives. Stupid. Do we have more work to do? Absolutely. That's uh, stupid. So there it is. Uh, that's the Joe Biden update for you. There is some sad news out of CNN. Brian Stelter, it's over now, folks. It's official. Yesterday was the very last show ever. Reliable sources. After a very memorable nine-year run, nine years, the longest-running show on CNN, fat Brian Stelter is done. I don't know if he's done for his TV career. Maybe MSNBC would look at him. Maybe a network. I don't know. 
But it's all over for Brian Stelter at uh, CNN. Here was his very emotional goodbye, not really, emotional goodbye yesterday, courtesy of CNN. America needs CNN to be strong. I believe the free what? world needs a CNN to be Nobody strong. Cares. And it will continue to be. Because all of us are going to help make that happen. The free world needs a reliable source. So, four reliable sources for the last time. I'm Brian Stelter. Thanks for being with us. He's right. The free world does need a reliable source. But you, fatso, you weren't it. You were, in fact, the most unreliable source maybe in the history of television. So um, I didn't find it to be all that emotional. Did he cry? Was he crying, Lewis? Maybe they forgot to put a U.N. in front of the show. like and yeah. make it sound. <laughs> right. Maybe they just had a little graphics problem. I don't know. Brian Stelter. I just saw his wife two seconds ago, Jamie. She's on New York One every morning. Oh, that's his wife. Yes. No, I didn't, I didn't make that. Yeah, she's with, that. Somebody's calling. No. Hello. Hello. Hello, it's Lewis. <laughs> now, who, who would that be? That's, that is actually an alarm for me to tell you something. Oh, Lou Dobbs. That's right. Yeah. I'm all over it, Otherwise, bro. I'd forget a lot of things. Right. <laughs> he sets his own I alarm. Swear, I swear to God. Oh, uh, God. I got it. Like five you know what that's on. like? My phone kept buzzing. Here I am at the beautiful Crystal Springs Resort. And my gorgeous wife, Danielle, and my angelic son, Gabe, having this amazing weekend. And my phone was doing that type of thing, buzzing every two seconds for something happening at the Jennifer Lopez Ben Affleck wedding. Yes, they've done it again, Benifer. They got married for the second time. And, every, I mean, if some guest farted, my phone went off. It was how unbelievable. Is, how does Danielle God. deal with that? I mean, one day it felt like a week and a half. Shut I mean, your phone off. I should have done that, yeah. yeah okay. But I wanted the med score, so. Anyway, good luck to uh, Jen and, and Ben, and uh, nobody cares. Yeah, be happy. Yeah. And then, again, uh, the, Bernie is out for the rest of the week. I did this at 6 o'clock. Just to give you guys the update, he had an appendicitis attack on Thursday, and his appendix actually burst on Thursday night. That's very dangerous. You can die from that, but not Bernie. Bernie is one of the toughest guys I've ever met. Months and months and months of chemo, radiation. Now he's got this on top of it, so he will not be back this week. He'll be back next week, hopefully. But uh, that is the latest on Bernard, so he won't um, he won't be here this week. Uh, I hate to say it, it's 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 killing me. It really is. Um, it is time to take a break. We will hear from Lou Dobbs, his business report. It's been a great show. Plenty more good to come. Lydia reports. She's coming up next. Dr. Mark Siegel gonna blow the house up on monkeypox and the CDC. Norm Coleman and Beat Sit. This is the Monday edition of the number one Nielsen rated news talk show in New York City, and we are. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. I'm Lou Dobbs. Wall Street summer rally stifled. Key economic data coming this week. Zoom loses its pandemic appeal. Those stories next. A recession may be ahead. Retirement accounts especially vulnerable. If you want to protect your future, call the precious metal dealers at American Hartford Gold. They're the highest rated firm in the field with an A-plus rating and thousands of satisfied clients. 
They'll suggest ways to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. Tell them Lou Dobbs sent you. They'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So call them now. Call 866-611-1277 or text Lou, L-O-U, to 998899. Again, that's 866-611-1277 or text Lou to 99-88-99. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Investors looking for key earnings and economic reports to revive the Wall Street rally. Stocks stall Friday on mixed earnings reports and murky outlooks from retailers, resulting in a losing week for the market. Manufacturing and services PMI updates, new home sales data, and consumer confidence updates should help bring stocks higher this week. HBO Max removing dozens of original movies and TV shows. It's an effort to cut costs and declutter the service. The bulk of the programs being cut, reality TV and kids shows, Warner Brothers Discovery has decided they don't resonate with big audiences. The company's prepping for the combined HBO Max Discovery Plus streaming service next year. Zoom Video will report third quarter results after the closing bell. Wall Street targeting a 33% decline in earnings for the pandemic darling. Shares of Zoom have fallen more than 40% this year despite consistently beating quarterly targets. Please join me three times each weekday right here on this station. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. The Bronx is burning. Despite making up only 18% of the city's population, 32% of all city murders happen there. Sid robberies are also running rampant. The family dollar on Webster Avenue has been robbed so many times. The manager there says it's why he took matters into his own hands, almost costing him his life. You can see the incident on our social media, WABC radio. You see the guy, he's in a red shirt. There's two people coming in literally with a shopping cart, a man and a woman, and they just pack it up and they're just trying to walk out with it. And the manager is so desperate to keep his business open because he's so sick and tired of being robbed all the time. He tries to stop them. They put him in a headlock. Then on 169th Street, which is uh, kind of like the South Bronx. That's by by Yankee Stadium, right? 169 is by Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And Grand Concourse around that area, that's where most of the crime is happening. Not fancy Riverdale. Elderly neighbors in two buildings there say teenagers, many of whom are girls, are terrorizing them. The kids say they know that the cops won't do anything to them. And it's why night after night after night they come in there and they terrorize them. They beat up these elderly people. Take a listen to this woman and this guy. You did did mention Riverdale. It's, It's worth mentioning that I lived in Riverdale when I moved back to New York and got my first job at WNEW back in 2000 alongside Craig Carton. I lived in Riverdale, and the reason why, you kind of use Riverdale as an example, but they're white people and Jewish people. I don't think that's the case with the people that you're pointing out right now. Is, is that a fair assumption, or 
Do I need to be corrected? That's a that that's a fair assumption. <laughs> I, I that's that. a fair assumption. <laughs> yeah. You are you are correct. Bingo. Yeah, it's not happening at the at the temple or the Riverdale uh, day school or anything right. like that. But listen to this poor these poor like these people have lived in these buildings for decades, and even though it's the South Bronx, it was relatively safe up until recently, up until the whole bail reform and that the cops aren't doing anything to the kids. So take a listen to this woman and this guy. And they are just, like, scared for their lives. They, they're afraid to even walk out their front door. Imagine living like this. Take a listen. They came at us. They beat us. They broke that, that stick from that tree there to beat us with the wood. We don't have nobody. It's a shame. And they are telling us they're going to come back and burn the building now. It's ridiculous. That's not right. People shouldn't have to live like that. They shouldn't have to live like that where they can't walk out their front door. The same, the same people progressives claim to be helping with their so-called justice reforms are the ones that are being hurt the most, Sid. Yeah. We're seeing it time and time again. You saw the guy that got bashed in the head with the rock on the subway. Yes. Indian man, 63 yes. years old. You saw that. Yep. And again, it wasn't a white supremacist. Wasn't a white supremacist that came after him, but the victim, he was an Indian man and he came off his security job. And then you saw the guy that got sucker punched in the Bronx. He was Hispanic. Thank God they took him off the ventilator. But time and time again, we're seeing that the majority of the victims, not the, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about the suspects. The majority of the victims are minority people. That's They're true. Being terrorized. That's true. I mean, not just, right. Not just Jewish people, Asian people, but you're pointing out black people, yes. Latinos. I tell you, I, I went for breakfast yesterday at a place called the last stop with Danielle and uh, we walked outside of, of the of the diner uh, Lydia and we're walking towards our car and there's an African-American woman wearing a blue MTA shirt and now I'm wearing a WABC t-shirt it's a true story and we're walking towards the car and she stops us and she goes I listen to that station every day and I go oh no you don't because that's um, I was wrong I was just assuming come on black lady no way she goes yes I do I go who do you listen to she goes, well, I like Rudy Giuliani, and I like Curtis Sliwa, but I really love those guys, Bernie and Sid, in the morning. So I go, I'm Sid, and right in front of Danielle, she grabs me, gives me a big kiss on the face, and says, you're gorgeous, thank you. I swear to God. And we walked away. Now, two things happened. First of all, Danielle said, what a double standard. If some guy grabbed me and did that to me, how would you react? I said, I'd go crazy. I'd kill him. Of course, I'm jealous. I'm an idiot. But secondly... It was, the, it was an African-American woman who appreciates what we do every day, and she is one of those people that has become targeted by her own people, just to further your point. A hundred percent. And we've spoken to the moms against violence up in Harlem. And one mom said to me, she said, you know, I'm concerned about my 15 year old son going to school because I know the chance of him being killed by somebody that looks like him is a hundred times greater than a, say, a white cop. So this narrative that these progressives, these regressives are trying to perpetuate couldn't be more wrong. And we need, if we really want to help our young people, we really want to help communities of color, then we need to look within and need to say, what the hell is going on Uh, with our people? I agree. Now, let me ask you this. I want you to be completely honest. Don't give me the answer that John or Chad may appreciate. I want the complete honesty out of Lydia. Given the choice, would you rather be talking about this story today or just getting home from covering J-Lo's wedding? 
Oh, Benifer, I know. I'm so Can I can I just say why does she look like a I was asking my husband this and he was like, "I don't want to talk about Benifer. I don't want to talk about it." Yeah. But why is Jennifer Lopez so obsessed with Ben Affleck? She looks like a stage 5 clinger. I know that's not a popular thing, but she's like obsessed with him in the pictures that you see from the yeah. drone overhead. She's like draped all over him. Yeah. She could have had any guy she wants and she wants well, she this did. recovering she, addict. She did. And he's like a like What's so special about him? He's always looking upset. Uh, listen, uh, listen. It, it's not like, like it, why? It, it's why? Not, why was she so obsessed with him? I don't know, but it's not like she's only been with him. She she went with A. Rod. She went with P. Diddy. She went with Mark Anthony. She's had a million other guys. So Mark Anthony looks like a crackhead. I know he's a. Rod's gross. a hoe. I know, and I know, but clearly, so she she had her pickers off. Yeah, that's I think the problem so. with women why they're single because they go for these guys. Like she wants Ben Affleck because he's like this unattainable thing, and I think she thinks. You know, she wants anything that she can't have. Yeah. But like, and then Mark Anthony just kind of was a natural choice. He's Latino too, but he's ugly. I mean, I'm sorry. He's got a beautiful voice, but the guy looks like a, <laughs> what is that? Schmeagle? Yeah. What is that? The precious, the precious. That's what he looks like. The precious. I, I but, think, I, mean, I, I think, I think you're upset with Ben because unlike Matthew McConaughey and Tony Sirico, he did not try to seduce you. Well, you know who else I forgot to tell you flirted with me once? Adam Levine. Oh, really? I was doing a press junket. I was doing a press junket, and Adam Levine flirted nice. with me. Oh, he look flirted. At you. He flirted. Look at I'll you. I'll tell you more of that story. Yeah, oh. because when you're a reporter, you're out and about, and you're meeting yeah. all these people. Sure. You know the celebrities. We're, we're not going to talk about Adam Levine or Benifer on Cats at Night. That's right. just something you and I will talk about. Also, you know who you should get on your show, by the way, real quick? That pole dancer, that one that... The, I want to. Yes, yes. Let get me, her. Let me work on that. I know exactly who okay. you're talking about. Let me work okay. on that. <laughs> okay, 5 o'clock, Cats at Night, John Cats and TV. She, that's an impressive feat to do that, to yeah. win. She's from Brooklyn and she <laughs> yes. won, but... I, Five o'clock, Cats at Night. Right. That's a great job today. Lydia Serrani, Lydia Report. She is on with John on that terrific show, Cats at Night. 5 p.m. every weekday. You can follow Lydia Serrani on Twitter, at Lydia News, and on Instagram, at Lydia News 1. I want to Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, I was talking about the Met game. I should make mention of this guy, Nate Fisher was working in a bank last year when he made his debut for the Mets yesterday and pitched three scoreless innings. And as big as Marcana was with those two home runs and all that stuff, this guy, Nate Fisher, stepped up in a big way because the Mets were struggling pitching all day. Even Trevor May gave up a home run. So, uh, Nate Fisher, congratulations on your debut as a New York Met. All right, uh, later on today, the Governor Kathy Hochul will hold a press conference. She's going to talk about the monkeypox outbreak, which she knows nothing about. She's going to talk about COVID and these new injections, I guess, that they're giving for the monkeypox. When I want to talk about these types of things, there's only one guy to go to, only one star on Fox News and one of the best doctors we've got in New York, and now a dear, dear friend of mine, Dr. Mark Siegel. Dr. Mark, it's Sid. Bernie's out today. How are you, pal? Sid, we always start with the Mets, and I'm concerned about Walker's back. I mean, when yeah. you start injuring your back as yeah. a pitcher, that worries you. And then what's with DeGrom? I love DeGrom, you know, but they're, they're not letting him go too deep into games. I think they're still worried about him. And I'm on here always telling you the Mets are going to win it all, but I don't know. The Dodgers looking great. What do you think? No, the Dodgers are the best team in the NL, there's yeah. no doubt. But the Mets are right there, they're right there, and you have your concerns all legit, DeGrom, you know, and uh, Walker left with an injury, Carrasco left with an injury, but 
As you know, Doc, it's a long season, 162 games, and very few teams are not bit by the injury bug. I mean, the Mets need the Grom and Scherzer in October. That's the bottom line, not August, in October. And if those guys are going to be healthy and the Mets can hold on, they can uh, they can win the World Series, there's no doubt about it. But you know uh, baseball, uh, Doc, is about attrition. Who can stay healthy at the most important time? So I'm looking to see if the Grom can build his arm strength up. That's the key to me, I think. I mean, he's 34 years old, but he's really, I mean, there's nobody that's better, actually. So no, him nobody. And Scherzer, I agree. Yeah. I agree. They could be the team to beat if his, if his arms. And they score. I mean, again, you saw that yesterday, 10 runs against Philly, two home runs for Canna. Alonso's yeah. having a big year. Sterling Marte's having a tremendous year. Lindor's having one of the best years of his career. That is a really potent lineup. So if they can stay healthy on the mound, as good as the Dodgers are, the Dodgers are better. Uh, but in a short series with the Grom and Jersey, you never know. The Mets could absolutely win the World Series. And the bullpen's looking good, too, yes. right now. So. Well, except for yesterday. But although Nate Fisher was great. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm, I'm wrong. Nate Fisher was yeah. great. The starter got beat up. Let's, uh, let's talk about this monkeypox stuff, Dr. Mark. Hochul's going to have a press conference today about these injections for monkeypox. You were on with me and Bernie about two weeks ago. You talked about how it's pretty much exclusive to the gay community. What's the latest with uh, monkeypox? It still is. It still is. It's 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 gone up multiple since we talked about it. Close close to twenty thousand cases in the United States now, predominantly in the gay and bisexual population. You know, funny thing, Governor Hochul spoke last weekend at a place, an undisclosed location that I was at with John Casabatidis, and she said. It was the only thing I heard her say that wasn't purely political. Clearly, she's not strong on crime. But she did say they shouldn't think the feds are giving New York City or New York enough of the monkeypox vaccine. She said we had gotten a very small percentage and we're the number four population in the country and we have the most monkeypox. So that's what's concerning. So they're trying to figure out a way to give the vaccine where you only take one-fifth of the dose in your skin, smaller. I think that that works. I think it works, but I think, you know, it's just this is another example of public health being caught unaware with their pants down with this vaccine <laughs> supposedly stockpiled in Denmark, you know, and, 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 and they don't have any of, ready of it, any of it ready to go to prime time. Well, let's I guess the, the question that most people want to know is how bad can this get? And, and not just for homosexuals, because right now it's pretty much exclusive to them, but for heterosexuals, guys like me. Well, I'm going to the gym, for example, today, New York Sports Club. Should I worry? No, and you're not going to get it from casual contact. And and what's not being told here is it's mostly people with multiple sex partners. And I don't. It will look. It may eventually spread into the into the heterosexual population, but by then we'll have the vaccine for it. The fact that we have the vaccine, older people that got the smallpox vaccine, uh, that actually has a big impact. I am not worried about this. I, I don't think it's all hype. I think it's real. I think it shows it exposes our public health system. For being piss poor here, but I don't think it's going to take over, and I don't think you personally have to worry about it. Okay, good. Thank you for that. Uh, Now, Dr. Mark Siegel, tell me about COVID. It remains a conversation. There is still a healthy amount of New Yorkers in the city, in the city, not where I live and not other places, that walk around with masks on every day, whether it's 80 and sunny, it doesn't matter. They're still wearing masks. What's the latest with COVID? Well, that's just, you know, a psychological overlay that has not gone away. You want to know something that's going to blow you away that you don't know, Sid? L.A. County Parks and Recreation is mandating that young kids wear masks during sports activities. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. You need to take a full breath. You need air in your lungs. 
you're going to pass out trying to do a sports activity in a mask. And remember, by the way, the, and remember, the governor of L.A., Gavin Newsom, is a guy that the Democrats are taking very, very seriously as a possible big-time candidate for the presidency in 2024. Just remember that, folks. Which means that he'll get about two votes on this show. <laughs> So they're making, they're making kids wear masks out in Los Angeles. But I think here, I think here in New York, outside of these psychos on the Upper West Side and a few people on the ferry, I think it's pretty much over, yes? Yeah, I guess. And, and now, look, I'm not, I'm not mocking masks. I think when I interviewed the CDC Director Walensky last week, I think she made a good case for they still have some use. But for people at high no, risk, people in very close quarters, we're not talking about people walking down the streets. Those are psychotic. I mean, you're walking down the street with a mask. You know, people that are healthy and young don't need them. I think, I think it's a it's it's a way of people saying, you know, we, we've had some kind of psychological damage and we're going right. to carry it forward rather than any infectious disease gain. It's a way of people saying, I didn't vote for Trump. Uh, <laughs> that's 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 their right, message. It says it on the mask. <laughs> yeah, I know. It says it right on the mask. It's I know. Democrat on the mask. And the mask is over your chin, but the thing is printed Democrat or, or anti-Trump or something. <laughs> so you did speak to Walensky last week, and it was a great interview. In fact, I tried to call you that morning, and you were busy doing that, so congratulations. And that was the day where the CDC actually came out and admitted they're a mess. And I've been saying for months, Joe Biden, the White House, all these government agencies, they actually recommend, suggest, actually mandate stuff based on the CDC. And I don't get it because much like the WHO, much like Anthony Fauci, much like Dr. Burks, they've gotten nothing right for years. Why are we still taking the CDC seriously? Explain that to me. Well, first of all, I think that the, what came out is that the CDC is a based, based on a culture of vetting, 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 vetting. They even have committees within to vet. It's like something out of Kafka. You have a committee that says, well, make sure that, that it's health disparity and, and equity is all checked. Those boxes have to be checked. Every box has to be checked before information is released. So by the time you get out information, they're months behind where the science actually is or where the virus is. I also never liked the idea that natural immunity, that when you got over COVID, that they never acknowledged that that, that that should have given you a pass. It was already true in Israel, Europe, around the world, but we, we stuck on that. And then excess r- regulations on masks and vaccines came from CDC. I think the CDC didn't have a focused message. But here's the, here's the other headline here. So, yes, I think CDC still has good science, but I think they have to change to in real time, not in retrospect, not a, sound, not a, not a tape, but actually in real time. But you know what the bigger issue here is? They're scapegoating Dr. Walensky, who's actually an excellent scientist. What about Bashira, the head of the head of HHS? What about right. the president with his messages? He wears a mask one minute, he doesn't wear it another. That's right. He, he takes it off to use the microphone, he puts it back on. How about the press secretary always spouting science? I mean, President Biden said he was going to come in on science, but he came in on politics and he stayed with politics. Well, ask you about uh, Bernard for a second, and he said, I can do this, so I'm going to do it. You know, he's been struggling. He's been getting chemotherapy and uh, radiation really uh, dating back to January. And he's gotten a lot of it, a lot of it. Um, and now he had an appendicitis attack on Thursday, and his appendix actually burst on Thursday night. You can die from that, as you know. He did not. Thank God. He's one of the strongest bastards you'll ever meet, this guy. He is proving it day in and day out. But uh, is there any correlation 
between the appendix going south and chemo or radiation? Is it just a coincidence? I don't know if this is even a, a good question, but those two things are happening simultaneously with Bernie, and I'm scared to death, so I'm asking you the question. Well, I think that there's a correlation in terms of it can it can make the wall of the appendix weaker, and then on depending on where he received the radiation, if it was in that area, but also the other concern is that once you have a problem where you're getting infection in the in the peri, in the uh, in the abdomen, it, it, the having been on chemo weakens your response, your immune response. But the good news is that antibiotics usually work on this, and he made it over the hardest part of the already, and he should get better. He absolutely should get better with the antibiotics now. It's a rougher road because of the chemo. He is going to get better. I've never heard of somebody getting chemo for like six months, and some of the early chemos, not even early, for months at a time, he would go for chemo on a Tuesday and get it straight through Friday. And I've never heard of that. I've heard we go for a day or two. Uh, he was doing three, four days. He still does it. He just now splits it between New York City and Long Island. Is, is that something you hear of these? I never heard of that. You know, usually it's hormone therapy like that. You get like that, but you can get chemo for that. The good news on prostate cancer is they're finally coming out with some targeted therapy. Well, well, hold, hold, hold on. Listen, I, I'm not a doctor, and he has not told me anything very specific, and I don't ask him because it's none of my business. But when you're getting chemo, the amounts of chemo he's getting for this long, this is not just prostate cancer. You don't got to be a genius to figure that out. This must have spread somewhere. Yes. Uh, there's no question about that. It's not localized, or you wouldn't be getting this. As you say, I don't know the specifics. The chemo and the radiation absolutely would indicate that it has spread. But as you said, and I have written about this, he is tough as nails. Somebody's going to beat this, it's him. And, and not only that, there are newer treatments coming out that we're going to be able to use. And he, he's hanging in there, and he's tough. But you're right. It, it's very, very, it's obviously a very, very uh, aggressive case. Yeah. And uh, what else is in the news? Uh, we discuss cancer. We discuss COVID. We discuss well, you know, monkeypox. You know, uh, there's two other things you, you, you should hear about. One you're going to love, but not love, you're going to hate, which is that we're seeing more and more cases of polio from the oral vaccine. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, Nicole Sapphire is a friend of mine, too, and uh, she was on last week, and all I did was kind of intimate, Dr. Mark, intimate that these people crossing the border, we end up with all these diseases, including polio, and she shot me down right away and said, Sid, 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 that one is not because of the migrants coming over the southern border. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I almost always agree with her, but I would put it a little differently. It's where you – it's not – they're not bringing polio across, but the problem is that the oral vaccine, Sid, which is the live virus, which is where these cases are coming from, are given in certain parts of the world where there's still hot spots. Pakistan, Afghanistan – Nigeria, they get the oral vaccine. But you know where else they give the oral vaccine? In Mexico. Oh, boy. Mexico still is the oral vaccine. And the oral vaccine has a live virus. It's a weakened virus. And that's what's causing these cases. So I cannot tell you for sure that these cases don't come from Mexico. Again, there's no polio in Mexico, but there's the live vaccine. We don't use the live virus vaccine here in the United States. But it just shows you. And you, you could talk about the border as part of it. But what about travel? People come into this country all the time. We don't screen them. We don't know what they're bringing. We don't know if they had that polio vaccine a week ago, a live virus vaccine. We don't patrol any of this. Yeah. And the Custom and Border Patrol people have told me at the airports, plus, people lie to us. I mean, you're not going to go up to a, a, a Custom and Border Patrol agent at an airport and say, excuse me, 
I had the live polio vaccine <laughs> two weeks ago in Pakistan, right. and I come in. They look at you like you're crazy. Right, of course. No, they're not going to. My daughter, by the way, Ava, my beautiful daughter, is in Mexico right now. <laughs> Funny you bring up Mexico. And what was the uh, the second thing you wanted to uh, put on us after polio? As if that's not bad enough. Well, I wanted to talk about some very sad story that's coming out, which is that children are eating too much marijuana edibles, and we are seeing overdoses. And that, that went up six times in upstate New York, according to Poison Control Centers. Wow. Six times over the past two years. They look like bright candy. Yeah. They look like chewies. They look like gummies. I mean, a lot of kids don't know what they're getting. And you can get, you know, severe abdominal pain. You can get psychosis. You can get behavioral changes. You know, look, we can have a whole other program talking about what I think about pot. But the main point I want to make is since you and I were kids, they've changed the concentration of THC in this stuff from 2% to 30%. Geez, that's a big difference. Yeah, you know, I've always been in favor of legalizing marijuana, gambling, prostitution. I just don't know why you would have the bad guys making all this money and struggling cities and states couldn't make it. But I also don't encourage the use of marijuana. Like, you got a guy like Jesse Venturi. He's like, I love the weed. And he goes, I know how great it is. You know, if you need it for medical reasons, that's one thing. But recreational marijuana, like Danielle, for example, she's an attorney. And uh, she's getting into the licensing of these places because you can make a ton of money. And for me, I'm like, I don't know. You know, I just it just feels wrong. She's like, oh, please, Sydney, give me a break. But I, I really, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm not sure about uh, legalizing this stuff. Yeah, but you just covered the topic beautifully. You know, you, everything you just said, I agree with. In Europe, in places in Europe that have that have head shops, they they limit the percentage of THC in the product. I think you're right. That here, if it's illegal, it's not better. It gets, it gets, it's even worse. It's laced with fentanyl. It's right. more unsafe. Right. So I, I don't, th- I, I don't think that it works either way. It's a mess because yeah. people out there don't realize that the product itself. And you're right. I mean, I'm a libertarian basically at heart. I'm not against, you know, regulating this, but I don't like the information on this that right. young children are actually eating these gummies. Very bad for them. I think um, one night this uh, winter, you and I should go to a Nick game go to Keene Steakhouse before, and eat a bunch of edibles together and see how we react. How about that? I think we'll be eating a lot of steak that night. <laughs> I know that. That's a good point. Hey, it's a great steak. Why not? Actually, I watch a show on Sundays, and you're not going to believe this, Doc, but it's called Delicious Destinations. And it's a guy named Alex Zimmern. And like in the spirit of Anthony Bourdain and others, he goes to all these cities all over the world to enjoy the delicacies. And last night, Keene Steakhouse, because they had the very first ever Muffet Chop, or what is it called? Is it a Muffet Chop? But they had yes. some type of steak. They, they had the first steak ever in 1930s, a certain type of steak, and it was Keene Steakhouse. I have to tell you how classy they are, and you know this, and I think I've said it on the air. After the last time you and I were there, and it's you, they see you, they say, oh, wow, this is this Los Angeles uh, you know, star from movies, a, a gangster. He may, he may bring the place down. He, they think you're a real gangster. So we're there. Afterwards, they sent me a freeze-dried T-bone that was the best stick I ever saw. Is that right? They are classy. No, they didn't. Did they really? Yes, they didn't know your address, but they, <laughs> they somehow they had my what? card. They actually sent me a T-bone. That wow. was unbelievable. Uh, listen, so they, we're going there next. We're I can't wait. I can't wait. So enjoy uh, the rest of your summer. We'll talk again, but excellent job today as always, Dr. Mark Siegel. You're really a great guest and a terrific guy. Thank you so much. 
Great to be on with you, sir. Take care. All right, my man, Dr. Mark Siegel. Check him out, Fox News. And we covered the gamut there. I mean, come on, folks. Right? Macedonia, though, what didn't we cover? Nothing. You got every single topic known to man. Outside that ranch by your testicles, which I did not bring up. What? Too early in the morning for that. Coming up next, (laughs) he's, he's my first cousin and the pride of Minnesota. Great politician, even a better man and a cancer survivor. Norm Coleman will come back with the fourth and final hour. Some Peter Gabriel shocked the monkey on the way out. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. on my cousin Norm Coleman, eight years mayor of St. Paul, senator from the great state of Minnesota, actually lost the gubernatorial race to Jesse Ventura. My cousin, unfortunately, has the, while having a a tremendous career, did lose to Frank and Ed Ventura, but uh, he's going to stop by. Big races tomorrow, John Katz and Matides. Check them out at 5 o'clock every weekday. Katz at night, great show. And, of course, the Katz Roundtable, Sunday mornings at 8 uh, reminding me, and he's right, that the New York Post did endorse Carolyn Maloney in a race where they're both awful people. I mean, God, you know, would you rather have herpes or AIDS, Carolyn Maloney or, or Jerry Nather? My God. Uh, as I told John, I would also vote for Carolyn over Jerry, but I wouldn't vote for either one of them because, again, they're awful, awful people. They are the, the, the Democrats, the worst of them. But that's your race, Maloney or Nather, and the New York Post has endorsed Carolyn Maloney. Uh, here he is uh, from the great state of Minnesota. I love him dearly. My first cousin, Norman Coleman. First of all, happy belated birthday. I know you celebrated a birthday last week. Happy birthday, Norm. Thank you. By, by, by the way, so is New York Post now becoming anti-Semitic? Oh, the yes. Only Jewish. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The only Jewish representative in New York City. Goodness gracious, what's happening? You're right. They're both terrible. Horrible people. Yeah, I mean, neither was the guy yelling and screaming how much he loved the Iran deal. Let me remind Jerry, of course, Iran wants to destroy Israel more than anybody. But before we get to all of that stuff, uh, I'm solo today, Norm, and I was solo last week, and I've been solo a lot over the last six months because Bernard, who you know and love, 
is really struggling with cancer. It started in his prostate. Uh, it's moved other places. I don't know where. Um, you know, he had an appendicitis attack on Thursday. His, his appendix actually burst on Thursday night. So he's going through a whole bunch of stuff. And you've been through an awful lot, too, in your fight with cancer. And thank God you're doing great. You look great. You just celebrated a birthday. What, um, Bernie's listening. What advice would you give, uh, would you give Bernie? No, first, uh, you know, just hang in there. Uh, that's all. Uh, uh, you know, lots of love being sent. Listen, I've had a seven-year battle now, and, and uh, uh, you know, I've, I've, well, I've got one less lung. Uh, about three years ago, they, they told me, well, you know, we, we, uh, we think we're at a point where so they thought it'd come back that we should do, well, look, we could do palliative. Wait, wait, that means I'm going to die? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. You know, and, and we had like one last trick. You know, one last thing to do, and, and uh, they did a biopsy and found out it wasn't what they thought it was. And then I started on immunotherapy, which wasn't available like like a month before I started on it. And now I'm seven years into the game, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, I'm, I get my treatment every three weeks. It's just like going to the suntan booth. They, you know, they hook me up, they give me the juice, mm. uh, and, and I and I go to work. And, and so, you know, it, it's, uh, listen, oh, thoughts and prayers with them. You know, for all your, your listeners out there who, who are dealing with this, have family members, so they, they know it, it's always in your head. Whatever's in your body, it's also in your head, you know, something you deal with. But, you know, in the end, you uh, you just keep on fighting. They, they, their goal, Mayo told me seven years ago, is to keep you alive as long as we can because we keep getting, you know, learning new things. Uh, and, and so here I am. I'm, you know, so celebrated a, a you know, birthday on August 17th. I won't tell you how, how old I am. I can tell you I was 20 years old at Woodstock. That's what you need to know. birthday at Woodstock. See how the, uh, so that tells you how old I am. Right, that's the man. Uh, listen, I, I, I said, I, 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 when I was in school, we did complex math things. We did it with a uh, – uh, we didn't even have calculate computers at that point. We had what, – what did they call those uh, little like, mechanical calculators. devices? Calculators. No, no, no. Before, right, before calculators, you had to look at your move like the beads over. I got to tell you, you know, this oh is – Oh, my God. This is before <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, along the way here, you've uh, the two weddings, uh, Jacob and Sarah, two beautiful children, oh. and celebrating birthdays. So you uh, you are alive and well and, and uh, witnessing beautiful things every day. One of the things that you are witnessing that's not beautiful, Norm, despite spending is eight that, years as... Is that the New York Yankees with their, with their both hands around well, their neck? Well, listen, that not... <laughs> that, that's your problem. I'm a Met fan, and uh, so that's your problem, yeah, not mine. I don't care about the other. You're a Met fan like me. What are you talking about? You no, love the yeah, Mets. I'm, I'm a Met. I'm kind of upset. I'm kind of laughing. I'm just, you know... <laughs> Wait, what they lose? Yeah, it's actually it's amazing to watch. I mean, I think they won well last night or something. Oh, they did. They won yesterday. But it's been a horrendous, horrendous uh, run since the All Star break, and it's been shocking because they were the best team in baseball maybe ever the first half, and like the worst team ever in the second half. But uh, this country, uh, what's going on now? I said twice this morning. Biden disappeared. I, you know, when Pelosi went to Taiwan, for example, he never said a word about it. We know he wasn't in favor of it, but never said a word about it. And then the day after the Trump raid, he goes vacationing in South Carolina. We've heard nothing from Biden in weeks, Norm Coleman. Uh, that may be the good news. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you expect, what, do you, what What are you expecting to hear? So here's, here's my, let me give you my lament about, uh, about the Trump raid and, 
uh, listen, the largest lament is, is kind of this country being torn apart. Uh, you know, it's, it's, and it's only worse. I mean, an unprecedented raid on the, on the home of the former president. You know, you, you could have done an, another subpoena. You had one subpoena. They were, they were working together. Instead, you bring 30 to 40 FBI agents with, you know, orange vests. And I mean, what are you, what are you doing? What are, what's going on here? But here's my lament. I, I served 17 years in the Minnesota Attorney General's office before I got elected as mayor of St. Paul. I was head of the criminal division. I worked closely with, with the FBI on, on numerous cases. Good men and women of integrity who really believed in rule of law, and that, and they are being led both under Obama, okay, uh, and now under Biden, by, by folks that are kind of they're, they're, they're turning the American people against them. Over half the American people now think that the FBI is being, as as rightfully so, think the FBI is being used by the Biden administration for their own purposes. Almost half Americans don't trust the FBI, and so we're, we're losing faith. And again, people I worked with. You got leadership, you know. Go back to Biden, you know, crossfire, you know, uh, the Russia, Russia Gate, the hoax, and then and now this time uh, the Trump, the, the Trump raid. But but sit before the Trump raid. I hope folks don't forget what happened in Michigan with Gretchen, you know, Gretchen Whitner. You know, the FBI literally set that up. You got the, the two guys that were charged and were acquitted of every count. Uh, it's a stunning setup. I mean, we almost out of like a, like a cheap novel, a, a bad detect, you know, a, a bad, bad spy novel or something. <laughs> Set up this deal, they financed the deal, they put the whole thing together, okay. Uh, and, and so American confidence, if, if we're losing confidence in some of the things that years ago we trusted, okay, you know, we, we, we and and now that level of trust has simply disappeared, but it's disappeared unfortunately with 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 with, Duke, with just cause. That we're seeing things that we could possibly have comprehended, and now they're taking place. And, and ultimately, you have you know the, the, the raid on the home of the former president uh, and, and somebody who was highly probable to be you know your opponent in the next election. That that's stuff right out right out of yeah. third world yeah, you know it is or Hollywood. It's or, or, stunning. It is stunning. And Norm, look, I'm still a sports guy at heart. I love pitting one team against the other, one guy against the other. Uh, I was not a never Trumper like people called you or Lindsey Graham, but I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. Uh, of course, I came around very, very quickly like you guys did, you, Lindsey, and the rest. And now I want to see him run and win uh, above and beyond ahead of Ron DeSantis. Lots of folks in the Republican Party think they want they want Trump's policies, but not Donald Trump. I'm not one of those guys. I want Trump back. What about you? Yeah, you know, I've, a little, uh, I've, I've got a lot of Hubert Humphrey once said, former Senate from Minnesota, i got friends on one side, i got friends on the other. I always stick with my friends. Uh, I, 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 I got a lot of folks who, who uh, you know, looking to be president, uh, to be out there. The folks I think are highly, uh, you know, highly capable. Ron DeSantis, highly capable. Mike Pompeo, highly capable. Uh, I'm, I'm close to Mike Pence. I think he's a man of high integrity. Uh, I know Nikki Haley real well. I know Christy Noem real well. Tom Cotton's a dear friend, smart guy. So uh, at, at this point, I'm just going to be real blunt, kind of sitting back, kind of watching how things plays out. I got to tell you, Donald Trump was the best friend that Israel ever had in the White House. I've said that a number of times. I said it with him on stage. There's no question about that. On the other hand, maybe I'm still a pragmatist. I, I do worry about we're going to beat the we're going to the the, the, the conservatives will, will will win because America is a center right country. Uh, we can beat the bad guys, and these are bad guys. I'm telling you that these are bad guys right now doing this stuff. Okay, uh, but but uh, in, in part because our folks are all fired up. They're, they're fired up about lack of control of the border. They're fired up over inflation. They're fired up over parents being shut out of out of you know their kids' education. All this stuff being taught in school that doesn't make any sense to mom and dads. 
And so Americans are fired up. But the one thing they'll fire up the left will be Donald Trump running for president. And, and so I do worry about that a little bit. If, if I could get all the policies with, without the SIRS, you know, without the misogyny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I know. I, Listen, I that's, what, that's what people... I that's a lo- policy. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll withhold judgment. You hear where I'm coming okay. from. Uh, I, I want to get the right result for the American people. I want them, I want people to be proud of this country again. I, I want them to, to, to you know, to get kids to be taught that America is the greatest force for good on the face of the earth. It's the reason my dad was at the Battle of Bulge, okay? Why he was at D-Day uh, on, at the early morning hours. Okay, America is a great country, and I worry that that we're yeah. losing that yep. and that our kids are being taught that. Let me tell you this, outside of my own father, Harvey, who is gone now over two years, and I miss desperately, the guy I miss the most next is your father, Uncle Norman, who was just a, uh, a great a great uncle and a great father and a great husband and a great man and all those things you talked about. I miss your father, Norm, very, very much. Hey, uh, Donald Trump is talking about the, uh, the Fourth Amendment here. Uh, when it comes to the, the rate, two things as a guy that, as you talked about, practice law, a district attorney, all those are good things. Uh, Fourth Amendment, Donald Trump, you like that. And B, what about the affidavit? Do you think that that'll ever really happen? Open that thing up. I, I, I don't, I, I think we're going to get a scrubbed version of it. Uh, I said, listen, I think this is an opportunity for Merrick Garland to actually do the right thing. And, and the right thing hasn't been done, you know, to, to date. Uh, again, you could have issued another subpoena to get the information if they want. Remember, Sid, by the way, as soon as the, the, the raid happened, they were leaking stories about nuclear documents yes, related yes. to nuclear Ridiculous. You know, where, 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 stupid. I mean, so where, stupid. <laughs> where, where, where did that go? Yeah, this is, this is you know, record keeping. Uh, Hillary Clinton had some records, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, she was she they didn't render. And, and by the way, she then burned what, what she bleached bit her, 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 her cell phone to make sure that no one could retrieve, see what she had. I mean, this stuff is, is all crazy. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, I don't know if this Fourth Amendment issue. I mean, you know, the warrant was issued. I don't know if we'll ever see the light of day. And this is an opportunity for, for Garland to say, okay, show us what you got. Tell us what you were looking for, okay? And, and again, so the reality is I don't think that's going to make a difference because, because I, I think it is simply unconscionable to, to execute a search warrant on the home of the former president, a potential your next opponent, when there were other uh, less, less uh, onerous ways to get the information that, that is required. Now, the bottom line is, is that these people don't want Donald Trump to run again, and they truly believe that they see him as such an evil force that anything is justified, anything, and they will come up for justice of anything, because mm. that's the ultimate goal here. Okay? Uh, it, it, they, and, and so it, it's really actually pretty stunning that we've reached that point in our country because, you know, you had 80 million people who, you know, cast the ballot, whatever the number was, close to Donald Trump. Uh, and, and, and all those folks, they're not terrorists. Okay? And, and they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, Americans. Yeah. And so we're really, and, and that's the great sadness of, I think Obama did this. I think he divided the country, black, white, rich, poor, gay, straight. And I think Biden's dividing the country yeah. today. Yeah. And, and, he, and when I say he's, he's allowing the country to be divided, uh, because I don't even know if, if, if he knows what's happening. I, I got to tell you, I, I think, you know, the world is looking at this and saying that we've got, you know, leader here who, who really doesn't have, you know, the full facilities that you really mental facilities that you need to run a country. Uh, and, and so you get all this stuff going on. And as you started this conversation, where is Biden? 
you know, a, 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 a president uh, should be standing up and saying, listen, we've got to pull this country together. We have to unite this country. Let's figure out a way to start working together to make that happen. But to your point, he, he doesn't even know where he is. So with his body, he doesn't even know. Uh, 60 seconds to go. The uh, the House, it looks like, beta complete. We're going to get that back. The Senate, Dr. Oz, Philadelphia, Herschel Walker down in Georgia, not as clear-cut. In fact, a lot of Republicans had Scalise and Jordan on the show last week, and both of those guys not very confident about taking back the Senate. What do you think? So, so let me just say this. I'm going to pick up one race, Dr. Oz, okay? He, he is, he, you know, he is running against a guy who is, is to the left of a Bernie Sanders. I okay, know. This guy, he's a phony. Okay, I mean, he, you know, he's got his hoodie on. And he's the man of the people. He's never worked in day in a life. He's a trust fund kid. They never worked a day in his life, never had a real job. And he's coming across as mad at the people. Don't underestimate Dr. Oz. Okay. You know, he was good. And the reason he was good in Oprah, because he, he has a, I've met him a few times. He, he listens. He can, and, and so watch that race play out. I think it's, you know, it's still in play. Uh, I, you know, the house is a, lot, is a lot easier bet to place. Okay. But uh, that Oz, you know, Fetterman race is, is an important one. I think Dr. Oz is eventually going to prevail because he's running against a fraud. And I think the people will ultimately see that. I think uh, J.D. Vance is going to win in Ohio. I think uh, Adam Laxalt will win in Nevada. So, uh, you know, what we do is if, if we hold Pennsylvania, we hold, we're going to hold Ohio for sure. We pick up Nevada. Uh, we, we can end up Republicans. You know, that can control the Senate. Here you have it, folks. My first cousin, great politician himself out of Minnesota. Really out of Brooklyn. Who are we kidding? But, uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, come on. What the heck, you know? Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, you sound great. Happy birthday. You take the boy out of Brooklyn, you can't take Brooklyn. I know, believe me. They, they tried to do it to me, too. It just doesn't work. So I, I just keep coming back to New York. I mean, I like you. You go to Virginia, you go to Minnesota, you go to Florida. I keep coming back to New York. But I love you to pieces. Happy birthday. Great job today. And we'll talk again very, very soon, Norm. Thank you so much. And give my love to Bernie, please. I will. You got it. That's my cousin, Norm Coleman, just a uh, just a class act and a great politician. Great guy. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Still more to do. Your chance at cash and prizes coming up at 940. Compliments of Pete Morgan and Peerless Borders. We're going to play Beat Sid. Been a great show, folks. Keep it right here. Monday with Bernie and Sid. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this darkness. Can't feel nothing but this chain that binds me Lost track of how far I've gone How far I've gone, how high I've climbed On the backs of 60 pound stone On the shoulder half mile line Come on up for the rising Come on up later Come on up for the rise of the night. Folks, I'm proud to 
Howard 5K Walk 1 New York City this year, which is on Sunday, September the 25th, and we need your help. Help us remember those lost on 9-11 as we retrace FDNY firefighter Stephen Stiller's final footsteps together. I did this last year. It was his brother, Frank. is such a great guy. 21 years, folks, coming up, 21 years. I would love for you folks to donate to my team. It's really very simple to support the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, Bernie and Sid team. Here's how you do it. Go to wabcradio.com slash walk, click on my photo, and donate to my team. Trying to raise the most money here at WABC. Got to be Greg Kelly. (laughs) Totally care. I love Greg, but I got to be. Thank you for your support as together... We help America's heroes, one of the largest walks in New York City, for a great cause, wabcradio.com slash walk. I did it last year. I was living in the city. I took the, uh, funny, I ended up taking the ferry. I took the train early, early on a Saturday morning. Maybe it was, a, oh, Sunday, Sunday, because the Giants were playing that day. I remember now. And um, it was cold. <laughs> Even though that day was sunny and hotter, Early in the morning, was very cold. Then I took the ferry from Wall Street, which I do every day now, ironically, to the Ikea in Brooklyn. And that's where the stage was set for this uh, big walk. And they actually shut the tunnel down that day, the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. And we ran through it, and it was a 5K. And I finished the race. I did not beat Kelly. Kelly took it very seriously. He's a good athlete. He's a hero, by the way, Greg. All kidding aside, he's a hero. The guy served our country. So he uh, he had a good race that day. I, I made it through, and I finished the race, and I felt great about it. And then I went home and watched the Giants play football, and it was a great day. And Leslie was there, Leslie Slender, and uh, Dougie was there, Kilzer, and, and a bunch of others. Uh, Dominic Carter was there that day. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Oh, Frank Morano was there. Uh, Juliet Huddy was still working here. She was there that day. Laura McDonough was there from uh, Cohen Children's. It was a great day. So, uh, folks, do it this year. I do want to say that, um, you know, look, I, I don't live on Long Island like Bernard does. So I'm not really vested in those races like Bernie, even though I became the guy that both Ann Donnelly and Bruce Blakeman kind of um, uh, relied on to get them wins. We did. Uh, when they won uh, last year, I went to two or three of their events, both of those folks. I'm not a Long Island person. Uh, Laura Kern has become a friend. But Peter King is a dear, dear, dear friend. I love Peter. And even though my heart tells me that in this uh, race tomorrow – Cornicelli is the better candidate. I know he is. He's not going to win, though. He's just not going to win. Galbarino took over when Peter King retired, and he's going to win. But um, I met Cornicelli at a baseball game. I like him. Uh, ironically, Andrew Giuliani was on this morning. He was talking up Cornicelli. So I invited Galbarino on the show. Throw Peter King a bone. This is a message I got from Peter. I'm not going to read it. But um, he's campaigning this morning. He's campaigning. Really? You're going to tell me that going on the air with Sid on the number one morning show in New York City isn't going to be better than standing with a bullhorn somewhere in Long Island this morning? It's in Massapequa with seven people standing there outside of a Dunkin' Donuts yelling and screaming, you're the right guy for the job? Campaigning? Seriously? So, anyway, good luck. I want to say worse stuff, but, you know, he's a friend of Peter's and he spends money on the station. So, and, you know, the old Sid would have just gone nuts just now. And I would have been, you know, would have been upstairs with John and Chad and all that stuff. I don't want to do that anymore. So, 
Not a good idea to be doing that. I mean, stuff. I did that for I years. So. Right, that's what Chornoff would do. And I don't why, like why would you maybe do that? You just mm-hmm. yell about something else. Right, so. I just told the story, and then uh, we leave it up to you, that's all. Campaigning. I mean, there's not. I'm going to say something right now. There's nothing you can be doing this morning, Drew Baby, that will get you more votes, more exposure, and more love than coming on with me. All right. Okay, good. Traffic and sports. Got it, matured. Have I not, Lewis? Come on, give me. Come on, give me a little credit. Um, not really. Just a little bit. Just a little. You're right. Who am I kidding? <laughs> I could have just left the whole story alone, but. That would uh, that, that was that's not what you do. Felt like you were going to slam your fa- hand down like Aaron Boone. What was that? We actually have that. Now that you mention that, let's play that. Okay. This was after the loss of Toronto on Saturday. Thank God Ben Attendee hit a home run and the Yankees beat the Blue Jays yesterday. Who knows what Aaron Boone would have done next? But this was the Yankees skipper Saturday after the loss to the Blue Jays. And the great thing is, it's right in front of us. It's right here, <laughs> and we can fix it. I love Aaron. I got to know Aaron very well when he was the veteran role player for the Miami Marlins. In fact, he was my weekly guest on my crappy sports talk show in Pompano Beach, Florida. And he was great. So him and I became friendly before he got here. When he got the job with the Yankees, I was one of the first people to call him. And he's been on with me and Bernie, believe it or not, because of that relationship. But he's done, you know, Teresa Jordan, throwing over tables and stuff. And uh, no one's buying that nonsense. But, they, but they'll say, oh, look, they reacted. They won yesterday, the Yanks. When Boone hit the table, that uh, that meant a lot to the Yankees. No, it didn't. It hit a fire under them. Yeah, but Attendee got a good pitch to hit, and they won the game. Bottom line. Hey, uh, Justin, Galbarino told you to shove it. I know you wanted to book him, but he, uh, he's busy campaigning this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want corner? I can get you corner telly no, any day of the week. Oh, yeah, Robert will come on, of course. Well, tomorrow yeah. maybe we'll flood the, the show with all these people. Yeah, I, he literally, he emails me like four times No, I love him. He's, he's all over Twitter saying nice things about me, too. Garbino says nothing nice about me. I don't, I don't think he likes me. He hates Bernie. I don't think he likes me all that much. But um, uh, Tina Forte, she's running tomorrow. I know that uh, the New York Post has endorsed Carolyn Maloney over Jerry Nadler, two of the worst people God ever created. Nicole is running tomorrow, but she was on last week, Nicole Maliotakis. Anybody else we should? Oh, Nick Langworthy is running tomorrow. Against Carl Paladino, I kind of like Nick. I, he's screwing the Republican Party here in a big way. You know, he's, he's forgotten what he should be doing. But, hey, Justin, you can book Nick in his running. Uh, Paladino's a douchebag. Never liked him. I don't know. He's just a nasty guy. So maybe Tina and Nick. I don't know. Now it's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to be Bernie. Alrighty. It is indeed time for the game. The Peerless Boilers Beat Bernie game. Again, sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Here, Just go to PeerlessBoilers.com with PavilionTankless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best built. Boilers, another version, uh, special version of the Beat Sid Pureless spoilers game due to Bernie's absence. Today we've got Sam in Rockland County. What's going on, Sam? Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you, buddy? Fantastic. All right. Fantastic is good. Happy Monday morning to you. You're a real estate broker. How's uh, how's business? Good. Can't complain. We're busy. We're busy. That's what yeah, Corey Zelnick says that a lot, too. He's a real estate broker as well. So uh, I guess business is good. Is New York back? Let me ask you that. Is New York back? Uh, New York is big. It's got five boroughs. There so you depending go. Depending on uh, 
depending on where, depending on what, but uh, definitely getting busier. All right. Well, we're trending in the right direction. That is all. You think you're ready to go for the game today? It'll be a little bit more sports pop culture oriented. All right. I hope so. All right. Let's do it. Here we go. Number one. What New York Mets great holds the franchise record for home runs with 252 to his name? Um, Dale Strawberry. Oh. Very good. Very good. One for one. Didn't even have to give you a hint. Here we go. Number two. Which Jersey, which Jersey Shore star made their pro wrestling debut with a one-off match in 2011? Hmm. Uh, you want to give me a hint? Um, do I want to give you a hint? I don't know. They're from Jersey. They're from, yeah. Uh, it, let me, uh, it's one of the girls. Uh, it is, um, hmm. Hmm. Angelina Pervernik. Who? Wrong, you two-legged uh, bag of anthrax. Whoever that is. I'll have them. <laughs> it's Nicole Snooky Polizzi would be the correct answer. Snooky, Snooky, Snooky. Was he just in there? Yes, he's my. Jesus. You can't, nobody can hold him down. Oh my God. So tell him to settle down. Forget go talk it. to somebody for five seconds. Here we go, here we go. Number three. One, one for two here, Sam. Uh, who is the only man to ever stop Muhammad Ali in a boxing ring in 1980, which was Ali's second to last fight? Um. Hmm. 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 All right. Need something here. Need... Oh my God. Huh. Well, that one sounded sounded like it came off Internet Explorer. <laughs> yeah. Which browser are you using? <laughs> yeah, Chrome. <laughs> All right. We'll give it to you there. Uh, two for three. Two for three. Two for three. Legitimate answer there out of Sam in Rockland County. Sorry, we're skeptical. Yeah. Two for three, uh, Sam. Here we go. Number four. What Long Island town is currently represented in the Little League World Series? Um, oh, God. You had a guy on last week. Yep. Yep. We did. Yep. Yep. Need one, though. Need an oh, answer here. Need, need one. Need one. Um, Need one. Riverhead? Nope. Wrong, you two-legged bag of anthrax should be Jesus. Oyster, oyster together. Massapequa would be the correct okay. answer. All right, two for four. Here we go. Three for, three for five is in your sight, Sam. Let's do it. Here we go. Akron, Ohio is famously the birthplace of LeBron James and which all-time great NBA sharpshooter who just won a championship last year? Why would you put that part in the... <sighs> Too late now. Yeah. Won't matter. Del Curry. Who? Wrong, you two-legged bag of anthrax. He said he's dead. Oh. I heard him say dead. Del Curry. Del. Why'd you say Del Curry? Because that's what he saw this last <laughs> game, <I laughs> Yeah, guess. yeah, I guess. All yeah. right, Steph, Steph Curry would be the correct answer. Del Curry hasn't played in, uh, I don't know, a couple decades at least. More than that, probably. All right. Sam, not a bad effort out of you. Two for five will, two for five will do, probably. And uh, we'll get you on hold. you get a chance to talk to the big man here in a couple minutes. The way Phil worded this last question is just ridiculous. I feel like there's two answers. Oh, we'll, we'll get to it. No, there's not two answers. Yeah, 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 there's we'll one answer, and you give it away. No, 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 so. no, 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 We'll get to it. All right. You ready? Who are you talking to? I'm talking to Peter King, so go ahead. Oh, he's angry at you? No, he's not. No, oh, he's not? No, him and I are way too close for that. That's true. Way too close. Well, he can lay Andy on not the same way. Not a big fan way. of yours, to be honest. He, 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 you don't think he so? tolerates you. Oh, yeah. Most people do. Right. Because they have to. How many do I win? Uh, you need three to win. Let's play. Okay, let's do it. Here we go. Number one. What New York Mets great holds the franchise record for home runs with 252 to his name? Oh. 
Mm. It's one of two guys. Okay. It's either Mike Piazza yeah. or David Wright. Mm. Well, jeez. <laughs> you should be sweating. Mike Piazza. No. Wrong, you two-legged back of anthrax should be Jesus. Mike, You're forgetting about a big left-handed bat there, my guy. Oh, big left-handed bat. Daryl Strawberry. Daryl. Yeah, you know, I forget how many home runs because I think he just goes to L.A. so quickly. I well, mean, and you figured, you know, he was all yeah, right. souped up. Played for the Dodgers and, and Yankees and everybody right, else. Right, right, right. Go ahead. Here we go. Number two. Which Jersey Shore star made their pro wrestling debut with a one-off match in 2011? Snooky. <laughs> my friend Nicole. One for two. Yeah. Who is the only man to ever stop Muhammad Ali in a boxing ring in 1980, which was Ali's second-to-last fight? Muhammad Ali? Yum. That was not his only loss. What are you talking about? Only man to stop him. Yeah, but it, it win by by finish. He finished him. I don't know. Leon Spinks. Wrong. You two legged back. Like he knocked him oh, out. Larry Holmes. Larry Holmes. Oh yeah, you got it on the second try. Uh, give it to me. Yeah, I got Holmes. Okay, fine. You got it. All right, fine. Yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Right. No, I'm gonna come in and fight with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pull Larry Holmes on your ass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, two for three. What Long Island town is currently represented in the Little League World Series? Massive people. Yeah. You know, one time I got a, well, that's fine. In the parking lot outside the Busy Bee flea market in Massive People. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you get there? Don't worry about it. Oh. Herpes? Candy, candy bar? No, no, not herpes. Hers- Hershey Kiss? Are we now? Ah, uh, close. Oh. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Oh. Can't tell. Akron, Ohio is famously the birthplace of LeBron James and which all-time great NBA sharpshooter who just won an NBA championship last year. Steph Curry. Obviously. Basically said everything about... No, because who doesn't it, get that right? It, it, it could be Clay Thompson. But why do you get, yeah, it could have been Clay. Why would been, it be Clay Thompson? Because he's an all-time great sharpshooter yeah, who won a championship yeah, last year. No, it could have been Clay Thompson. Could not have been. Idiot. What's the matter with you? Even I'm saying that. But why do you get so mad when I play well? I don't get mad when you play well. I get mad when uh, the questions we are um, basically right money. down the damn middle. There was a nice little uh, sibling <laughs> rivalry. Well, here it's really between... my fault. It's really my fault because you handed me the game like an hour and a half ago, and I, yeah, and okay, I approved it. You literally okay. I approved it. So I clearly didn't read it. There's a nice enough. little rivalry uh, forming here between Macedonia and Ellick. I like it. What I kind like... of rivalry? Oh, you guys are generally jealous of each other. You don't like, you know. We're not jealous of each other. Why would I be, Justin, why would I be jealous, jealous of, of Phil? I make twice as much money as he does. He's jealous <laughs> of no, no, you're right. You make $2, he makes $1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to have a much money. We're gonna have a charity boxing match on the Oh, that display. I would like to see. I did that with Bernard. He kicked my ass. Yeah, no, no. 20 no, years no, ago. That would win. Yeah, but I'm a dirty, I'm a dirty fighter. It doesn't right. matter. I'm a trained fighter. All right. Oh, oh, oh. Get out of here. My God, jeez. Why did this become the Phil and Justin show? I don't know what happened here. I don't know what to tell you. Keep calling us famous, so we're, we're, we're living up to it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I got to go. Uh, who would I beat? Sam. Sammy, what's going on, pal? How are you? How are you, pal? Good, Sid. Nice speaking to you. Nice speaking to you, too. Are you, are you in New City? Where are you in Rockland County? I live in Suffern. It's very close I know it. to New City. I used, yeah. I used to work in New City for about five years. Yeah, Suffern's very, very nice. I know that whole area from Bloorville to Pomona to New City to Suffern, Spring Valley, uh, Nanuet, the whole deal. It's a lovely area, lovely. Uh, we're right near Pomona, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And uh, you're a real estate broker, so you must be doing pretty well these days, yes? We're busy. We're busy, you know. Um, it's different now. It's a little different. COVID yeah. changed things the way, right. you know, but 
And the interest rates now are the interest rates now are uh, scaring some people away. Yeah. Interest rates are insane. Yeah. It's 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 a little nuts out there. Yeah, I got it's my place just before. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of uncertainty, which makes the market just very shaky. Yep, no doubt. Well, listen, uh, I hope you do well. I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer. Thank you for listening to me and Bernie. Sammy, thank you for playing today's game, and God bless you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too, Sam. Thank you. Sam, up in Rockland County, we will come back and wrap things up. It's been a great Monday show. Bernie and Sid, right after these words. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. The song I Want to Cry reminds me of my daughter Ava's high school video at a graduation uh, a couple of months ago. She had this big UK flag in her cheek with this beautiful smile. Looks like a mother. And the song was playing. Rosemary is also Peter King's wife's name. And now my daughter Ava's about to go there to school, to Reading, coming up in about uh, three weeks. She's coming home from Mexico on Sunday. She'll be home for about 10 days, and then she's out of here. And um, I am not doing well. I <laughs> uh, just saw Charlie Chris on TV. You know, way back when, folks, doing a, a dopey sports show down in Miami, I actually helped Marco Rubio get elected. And he, to this day, thanks me and credits me. He was running uh, statewide against Kendrick Meeks and Charlie Crist, and he won. And uh, then, of course, not to run for president. We know that. Little, what, was, what was Little Hands or what was the uh, nickname Trump gave him? Little Hands, I think, right? And he's a big deal, Marco Rubio. But Little Marco. Little Marco, yes. His wife was a cheerleader from Miami Dolphins, and he was on my shows, and he loved sports. And I don't know with me and Bernie once or twice, too. And uh, Charlie Chris was one of the guys that he beat. And Charlie is running against Nikki Freed in an election tomorrow in Florida for the right to take on Ron DeSantis come November. Good luck. Uh, those guys, and Charlie probably went tomorrow, I guess. I don't know. But they have no chance coming up against DeSantis. And I saw a commercial on the right side for Jerry Nadler taking on Carolyn Maloney tomorrow. And I do think Maloney's going to win that race, too. Uh, the Post did endorse Maloney today. That was a great show today, guys. Really great. I didn't find out till late last night from Carol that Bernie's out for the entire week. Late last night, me and Matt found out. But you guys stepped up in a very, very big way. All of our guests were great today. Andrew Giuliani, Dr. Mark Siegel, Norm Coleman. On the docket already tomorrow, Bo Deedle, Miranda Devine, and former Met great Johnny Franco. We'll have a great week of shows for you, I promise, folks. And I'll update you on anything going on with my man Bernard. Have yourselves a good Monday here in New York. The Lou Rafino, who was amazing today. Macedonia Phil, Justin Ellick. Frankie Diaz with an E, Deb Valentine, and Jacqueline Carl. We'll all be back tomorrow morning at 6, folks. Until then, from all of us to all of you, 